0: Hey fellow album divers, Trevor here. And before we join Jesse Norell breaking down his new album, I wanted to take a moment to let Ann Lynn Williams, better known by her stage name Lot Kessner, introduce you to her new 2022 album. Ann and I are both Seattle natives, and I'm lucky enough to at least know a few of her friends and peers that allowed me to connect with her.
1: Hi, this is Lot Kessner. I'm a Seattle musician. I record most of my music. At home, in closets or attics or basements or whatever I have. And I I started off in a band called Trespassers William, which was a full band, shoegaze, electric kind of affair. But uh, I moved on to doing more folky music and doing it on my own. I put out a, a record called Lost Songs last month. It was my first release in a few years and was kind of a collection of works that I just had sitting around from the last decade and pulled them all together and retracked things and brought in some more musicians to make an album out of it. So it's kind of a compilation. And the song we're gonna to listen to, which is called Slip, started out as a poem that I had written. And sometimes after I write poems, I'll, weeks later, I'll revisit them and sit down at the keyboard and sing the poem and see yours. what comes out. And that's kind of what happened here. Where the honey collects All the pillows with the flowers All muted and small In patterns like forests
0: You can find Lot Kessner's music in physical copies in stores or online or streaming wherever you listen. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music and lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers, I'm Trevor. And I'm Shane. On this podcast, we take turns choosing albums to discuss and review. We alternate between an album that was released this
2: calendar year and one that's been around a while. But today we have something a little different. We are fortunate to have the artist himself here along for our deep dive of his new album. Hey Jesse, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what album we'll be discussing today.
3: Hi, my name is Jesse Norrell and uh, my new album Aorta Borealis just came out on March 4th of 2022.
0: much for joining us. I know you and I have been talking for quite a while about getting on and doing this album after it comes out. And um, just as a little bit of background, we met on a Sunny Day Real Estate Facebook group and just kind of instantly bonded over that. And then somewhere in there, you had mentioned this album coming out and and that you had listened to our podcast. And we've been kind of planning for a while about having you on here and just really excited to finally get to do this.
3: Thank you for having me. And if I can just comment on that for one minute, um, I'm sure that everyone says to you, you know, uh, and I'll say it too. Thank you for keeping sort of the the celebration of albums alive. It sort of is a dying art, but I know that people, there are still people out there that really appreciate it. And people that understand when you're talking about two different songs that you put them together and one plus one can equal three. You know what I mean? And I feel like mm-hmm. you guys really get that. Yeah. But I want to gloss over that a little bit because I want to just tell you what your specific podcast means to me. Because like you said, Trevor, we met online and we were bonding over Sunday Day Real Estate. You heard one of the songs and you were like, this is cool. And I said, can I be on your podcast? And you said, it's a date. And I'm like, okay, this guy has heard one song and he does a podcast about albums and he's like, let's do it. And so... That was a big confidence thing for me. And I, I don't know if you guys write songs, but I know obviously you make this podcast, so you're creative people that create cool things. And when I'll, I'll speak specifically to songwriting, when you are making a song, let alone an album that most people aren't hearing, you're not getting a lot of feedback on having only your own voice in your head and saying, the only person's opinion that matters on these songs is mine. That takes a really self-confident thing, a person, to be able to do that. On the other hand, if you're saying, if you're thinking of your songs through the lens of the harshest critic, you will never finish anything, right? So if you're saying, oh, the critics are going to eat me up for this lyric or this sound, whatever, and then you can never finish... I've had your voices in my head for like the last year because we had sort of been tentatively planning on doing this and you guys are always so kind to your guests. And so when I have to take my song and look at it from an outsider's perspective, I sort of try to see it through what you two would say about it. And I'm like, Oh, they would be really kind about this, but it still helps me look at it from another angle um, so basically in my head, I've been preparing for this day for like a year and it's been really en- encouraging and mentally healthy, uh, for me to be able to do that. So thank you.
0: Wow. Oh, what yeah. a compliment. That, awesome. that just means so much to us, Jesse. Thank you for taking the time to say that. I was actually just texting Shane right before, and I think I just said something to the effect of Shane, you know, we started this thing cause we thought it was all about the music and it is. But, you know, the music is all about the people. And, mm. you know, your, your story and this album, that's really what music is about to us. I think that's what connects us to music. And that's really at the heart of why we decided to do this. At the root of it, it's that human experience. And I think Aorta Borealis is that, you know, in its purest sense. And so mm. having you on is really an honor for us as well. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you yeah I'll add to that and say it's really the experience uh for us. It's the album as a whole. the music, the sound, of course, is what most people pay attention to, but for us it's more than that it's it's the lyrics, it's the concepts, the themes. It's the time that the the artist put into that piece of art and We've started to develop a community or connection with people with other listeners, with other artists who all kind of for one reason or another are are involved in music for that that shared connection, that experience together so that that's kind of the magic. that's the the special part that uh, has kind of come out of this. That's why you're here.
3: I love it. Definitely. thank you. i I was listening to a podcast by a guy named uh, Aaron Sprinkle, who is an artist and a producer, and He said, my favorite albums are the ones where you listen to it and you can tell they can't not do what they're doing. They don't feel like they have any other choice. And so that's definitely what this album is about. Um, Part of my story is I stopped writing songs for 15 years, sort of waiting for, you know, something to say. There was a lot of reasons why I took a lot of time off, but this was the thing that got me back to saying, I can't not make this thing.
0: Well, let's go back even before that, Jesse, and can you talk to us a little bit about how music started for you and you know where you first got into it, maybe what some of your influences are, and, and a little bit about who you are.
3: So I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, but I also lived in the Dominican Republic uh, for high school. I lived there. And after I got married, I moved to Singapore for three years. So I've lived in some different places, but I currently live um, in the suburbs of Minneapolis. My first instrument was trombone. I wanted to be a drummer and uh, (laughs) I didn't want to play all by myself. So I tried. I was like, well, I can learn my my percussion chops in the school orchestra playing percussion and the crotchety old uh, band director was like nope uh we have too many people that want to do that you play trombone so i went outside the room and i cried for like a couple minutes and then i played trombone for a couple years and then it wasn't until i was 15 and i just really got excited about singing i never loved the sound of my own voice but i always loved singing like the way it made me feel and I was like, well, I can't play this trombone thing and sing at the same time. So my options are piano or guitar. And considering the amount of Pearl Jam that I was consuming at that time, the the choice was pretty obvious for me. Um, so I started playing when I was 15, uh, went to college and started you know, playing in bands right after college, really played for... Uh, you know, just every club in the Twin Cities for like three or four years put out an album and then, uh, just the band broke up and it felt like there was a disproportionate amount of work that was being put in versus sort of the, whatever the reward or the version of success is that you've got in your head. Um, and so just kind of stopped for a while, um, you know, family and kids and trying to maintain health there was definitely a factor. And then, like I said, it took sort of the events that we'll talk about on this record to, to get me going again.
0: What's some of the music that influenced you the most? You mentioned Pearl Jam. What else were you listening to that got you interested in music?
3: When people ask me what I sound like... And just people that, you know, not knowing what they know about music at all. A lot of times I'll just say uh, Coldplay. Because it's kind of the biggest band that people know. Because I feel like if you say my genre is rock... Then they have a certain image, which I don't feel like is what I do. And then if you say, well, it's pop, that's not right either. But if you just tell them, well, it's kind of in the cold play thing, they have songs that do this and they have songs that do that. And so as far as sort of the biggest commercially successful band, that's just what I reference. But for people like you that actually know a lot more bands than just the ones that are on, you know, big budget radio, uh, Death Cab for Cutie is a huge influence can for me. I hear some
0: Death Cab in there. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I, I think that that's probably the, the band I steal the most from. Uh, we've talked a lot about Pedro the Lion and especially, um, David Bazan's two concept records, um, just falling in love with those. Mm-hmm. Um, Mute Math, uh, Imogen Heap. You'll hear mm-hmm. me borrow from Rage Against the Machine once in a while. I realized recently that Green Day is in my DNA and that's not necessarily something that I would I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that, but they're definitely in there. Uh, muse, Pearl jam, sound garden. And then of course we'll talk more about sunny day real estate. Um, because that's the one cover on this record and definitely. they're, they're a big yeah. deal for me too.
2: Trevor and I went back and forth a lot on all the, the genres of music that you cover in this album and all the different spaces that if you wanted to, to cater to that sound, you could probably fit into it. Mm. And, uh, think that's a reflection of your your vocal range but also you know just the variety of of songs and sounds that you put together jimmy
3: world is a big one for me i -hmm. should put them on the list for sure
2: i i threw that one out i think to you shane going do you hear a little bit of jimmy in this song i can't remember which one it was but yeah yeah just i felt like you could go so many different ways with with your music and your talents and uh the album kind of gives you glimpses of all those different sides of what you can do as a musician
3: Wow! Thanks for that. Uh, I mean, I, I I feel like early on, I wanted to make records that were like, this song is the sound of you know this country, and you know it's just too all over the place, and it just sounded like I was trying to be two different things, too many different things. And I like the playground of this kind of music, sort of the the general indie rock genre to me. Like, if I were to say, I need to make this record, I need to tell this story, but it has to be dance music, you know, that's sort of so much more limiting, it has to be a certain thing, whereas uh, this sort of indie rock thing with the influence from the bands that I've mentioned, it feels like I can do almost anything that I want to do, which is really nice. Do
0: you have uh, musicians in your family? Somewhat,
3: but I mean, I, I grew up in a family that loves music and, like, church music was a big part of my upbringing. Um, But uh, there wasn't a lot of other instrumentalists or sort of solo vocalists or anything. Um, My parents sort of tell me sometimes that they don't know where I came from, (laughs) like where this came from. Um, But certainly there was lots of singing and music in our house all the time.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your family, Jesse, and, and just a little bit of your inspiration for getting into you know this album. We'll talk about more in the details because the lyrics really spell a lot of this out. Just give us a little glimpse before we get into the music about what caused you to decide to write again.
3: So I've been married for almost 20 years now, 19 years. And I've got a 8-year-old son named Tyler and a 6-year-old daughter named Alyssa. Tyler is a typical kid. Alyssa has Down syndrome. Tyler was born in Singapore, and Alyssa was born shortly after we came back from Singapore. So we were kind of in between homes, and she was on the way, and we it, it was a pretty chaotic time of just us not being settled, having some trouble readjusting back to life, you know, just getting new jobs and living out of a suitcase. And it was a pretty insane time. And then Alyssa comes along and we heard on the day that she was born that she had Down syndrome and had a pretty significant heart defect. And I heard those things in the same sentence. That was a hard thing to wrap my mind around and to figure out what to do with that information. And I mentioned that I got unwell for a little while. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, but it took them a while to figure out why I couldn't play on the floor with my kids anymore. And I couldn't bend my knees and I just felt awful all the time and stopped, you know, did the bare minimum with music for a while Then when I got back into it, I booked a couple of sets. Uh, Once I started, I got on some good medication, felt good again. I booked uh, a couple of sets at a coffee shop. And the week before, I said, well, if I write a new song now, people will be forced to listen to it because I've got this little gig coming up. And so I wrote the first song on the record in a couple of days. And it's a pretty you know somber song that we'll talk about and after that I thought well this is just one part of the story because my story has a very happy ending I love my life you know after the smoke cleared and after the dark season and I wonder if people would want to hear the rest of the story or is this first song just going to be kind of where it lives and dies and so I put I did my first kickstarter my first and only one I've ever done And, you know, it was successful and I was able to raise enough money to get some home recording gear and hire somebody to mix the album and a bunch of my friends volunteered to play on it for free and uh, told the rest of the story through 11 more songs.
0: Who are some of the other musicians that came along for this ride with you and and how was that process getting them to jump on board?
3: So this became a file sharing project. This was not made in a studio with all of us in a room. Um, so once I put it out there on Kickstarter, uh, my friend, my, one of my best friends from college, Clint was the first one to sign on and he played bass. Uh, so Clint Phillips, then Steve Gould, my friend, my other friend from college found out about it. Now, Steve is one of my most famous friends. He's toured the world with Sarah Bareilles and Corey Wong and Ben Rector and a bunch of other famous people. And he said, Hey, this needs to exist. Can I play on this for free? And I said, yes, Steve, you can play on this for free. So that was a huge confidence boost. Anyone that's tried to do sort of the file sharing record thing that has played with a real drummer, if you have a drummer that is not right on the click all the time and you're trying to learn how to cobble things together and do editing it's really helpful when you have a really good drummer that's on top of that click all the time and you can line things up visually and you know do different takes and stuff so that was a huge thing for me and at the same time it was I felt like I needed to elevate my game because I was like okay we've got super professional drummer on here let's try to make this you know worthy of these tracks that he's going to send me So the next I contacted um, a couple of friends that I had met in the music department when I was teaching guitar in Singapore, who I met separately. And in Singapore, they got married and moved to Texas. So we were in the same time zone. And I was talking to them um, just about, hey, like, I've always wanted to make an album with strings. And I feel like my vision for this needs strings. And so... Uh, Ed Harper played cello and his wife, Katherine Sullivan, played uh, viola and violin. And then my friend Chris Mason, um, who I met when he was like really young and now he's, you know, an awesome musician and everything, uh, he played keys on the record, which isn't even his main thing, but he oh, felt wow. like he could contribute in that way. So that, that kind of rounded out the cast. And then I should mention I met a guy online named Chris Carr who mixed the record and we did everything basically via email. We talked a couple of times uh, on the phone, but for the most part we were just exchanging a billion emails, like hundreds of thousands of words. Like I think this track 203 needs to be three dB louder, just like over and over again until we finished it, which took forever, but Mm. I'm happy with the results.
0: That's super interesting to go behind the scenes during you know, COVID in, you know, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two, I guess, and just know what it's like to put together an album in this situation when you've got, you know, kids and wife in the background trying to do things as well and, and work in the same space. That's that's really an interesting uh
2: just coming together of this music. That's really cool. That file sharing part of being in a band is becoming more common nowadays. Too, though right with with covet and then even even before that with people wanting to collaborate from all around the world we have the technology now for people to be in a virtual band so to speak
3: yes and it's becoming probably the most common thing happening right now is just one guy doing it in his bedroom which means you're usually not getting that real acoustic drum sound that i love so much i i i wanted this record to sound pretty natural to sound like a band and not, you know, <laughs> you know that sort of thing. The the file sharing thing when everybody was super isolated helped me feel less alone during a, a pretty difficult time. So that was super cool. At the same time it was like I'm still doing this kind of all by myself. So there was mixed feelings there, but it certainly was good for my mental health along the way. Sure. Wow.
2: I'm kind of curious what you you've been doing uh, up until the release of this album, has music always been, um, your, your career? You teach guitar lessons. You've been around the world. Has that always been your, your source of income and you know what, what you do with most of your time?
3: I have done a myriad of different jobs. Uh, I, when I first moved to Singapore, I was hired as their procurement manager. So like I was, the head of the purchasing department for the school that um, my wife got offered a job there first, and then oh, they okay. said, "Well, you can run the the purchasing department," and it was a job for at least three to five people that I was doing myself. So oh, that w- and and Singapore is an island that is small and very densely populated. They don't have manufacturing plants and stuff like that. So they don't make anything. So I was basically an importer, you know, you gotta you do all that sort of thing. So, um, that was one thing I did for a year. I've worked in like front offices for universities and, uh, a, a bunch of different things, but for the last, what, seven, eight years now, uh, teaching guitar has been my main thing. And, being a full-time dad is really the main thing, and my mm-hmm. wife works full-time. She's a eighth-grade uh, English teacher
2: for okay. a middle school awesome. here. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So did you see yourself writing music again, putting out albums, potentially going on tour and performing, or was that something... I mean, assuming you could get healthy and feel good again with, with RA, health condition that you were dealing with, or was that something that was kind of in your past? I know you said you you were... Playing with bands up until about two thousand seven, so fifteen years had gone by. Was that something that was kind of in your past, and you had transitioned to, you know, a different stage of your life, and or something you wanted that you saw getting back to, or was it the birth of Alyssa that you know, coupled with starting to get on the right medications and feeling better, that kind of, you know, inspired you to to get back into that party, you know, your past?
3: A combination of all those
2: things. Um,
3: again, I mentioned that. You know, the whole I can't not do this thing played a big role because you have to feel like it's worth it no matter if anyone cares or not. Right. Whether it is any sort of success by any measure that you have to do it. So that was a big part of it. Obviously, like you said, getting healthy was a big part of it that I was mentioning to Trevor that there's not a big middle class when it comes to music. There are the haves and the have-nots, and I had to be okay with being in the latter category. <laughs> and just like, I'm going to make music, it's going to take a lot of time, it's going to be kind of hard, but I, I have to do it again. And it was something that I always wanted to happen, but there's sort of your vision for your life and what you want it to be, and then being realistic about what you can do. Um, and that just, this just felt like an opportunity to get back into it. And I didn't know to answer your question. I didn't know if I was going to do it again, but I was glad that I did. I, you know, as much as albums sort of, they're alive for a little bit and then people stop caring about them pretty quickly as the artist, you can still say, Hey, I made this, it will always exist. And that's something that I'm happy about and that I'm really proud of. Um, Probably a lot of the listeners don't know who I am, so they can probably decide on their own if they want to listen to this first and then go listen to the record or listen to the record first and then jump in or go song by song, go listen to a song and then listen to the, the breakdown of it. But I think this will be much more enjoyable if people have, uh, you know, we'll play some clips along the way, obviously, but um, the the better you know this, the more it's going to make sense.
2: Your daughter Alyssa is six years old now, is that correct? Yeah. When did these songs start to to develop from the process of the idea coming into your head to getting out the paper and jotting down notes to saying, "Hey, I could I could make some songs here," maybe I could put together an album to to um, the transition to this would be a nice concept piece and uh, potentially bring awareness to a, a difficult situation and help some people and just kind of elaborate on that uh, process from. From where, where it began, you know, going back six years, obviously the, the album is going to take us through the timeline of Alyssa's birth to, to where we're at today. Uh, but just the process of where the songs came about, when the album was completed or when you felt like, okay, I've covered all the ideas, the themes that, that I need to have on this album. And I can say, this is it now. We'll just polish it and then put it out into the world
3: the first song what to tell you is the oldest of the bunch i mentioned that i wrote that one first and then sort of the rest of the album came as a response to that and that one was written in probably 2019 so when Alyssa was around three and then when i put this out on kickstarter i felt like well i need to give people something from the second half of the record to kind of show where it might end up so I wrote the song You Are right around um, February or March of 2020 and then the other 10 songs came along. The demo versions were done in uh, by the end of summer 2020. So I I wrote most of this album in about 3 months and then the recording and the rest of the process took almost two years um, Mm -hmm. to finish up just because uh, there's a lot of details that go into that. And that's still part of the writing process, by the way, is you're going from a demo form to a final form. There's a lot of things that go beyond just one guitar and one vocal.
2: And you're like, okay, how is this all going to fit together? So, so I'm just just curious. A lot of the songs seem to depict some of those initial stages of, of becoming a father and and uh, learning about some of the added challenges that you may face with with Alyssa's health uh, issues, uh, but the the song writing didn't happen until a few years later. So, was there kind of some epiphany moment where where it dawned on you that you could connect your your current uh, life experiences with your your musical knowledge and, and, um, skill and, and create a project that would, you know, be able to, to help other people, uh, with what you were going through and share your story through music, or was it there in the beginning stages and slowly kind of toying with the idea and over time just decided, Hey, you know, I've been, I've been wrestling with this long enough that I should just go ahead and do it. Just kind of curious when you decided or what came, you know, about, uh, you know, to start this project.
3: I've always felt like my one of my greatest strengths was songwriting. Like I'm an okay guitar player and I'm an okay singer. I feel like the thing that I do best is songwriting. And I don't feel like that went away even though I took a break for 15 years. I always felt like this is something that I'm good at and I'm not doing it. And someday it would be nice to go do it again. And so Alyssa had heart surgery one at around six months old she had heart surgery too at around two and a half years old and after that was when things got started getting a lot better so around three years old I felt like I got to see the other side Mm -hmm. of this Mm -hmm. dark period and that's when I was like oh this feels to me like some sort of Uh, Pixar movie or something you know what I mean and can I write each chapter like it's a Like, it's a scene from a movie, and that's really my approach Mm -hmm. to songwriting, especially with this album. Um, So, yeah, once she was around three, it was like, okay, we've got a story here. It's Mm -hmm. got sort of a beginning and a middle and an end, and I can put a relatively good bow on it, even though life continues and things happen. It feels like I had a complete thing to work with. And if I let Mm -hmm. life go on too much longer and more things happened... Then it would have to be a double album or a triple album or whatever, you know, it just get bigger and bigger. So it felt like I had a vision for what the story could be, and it was time to go.
2: Thank you. Yeah that 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 makes total sense. So it was a little bit of in the moment of a lot of things coming together and a turning point, uh, but also then encouraging you or, or um, you know leading to this reflection process too of where things are good and and there's the light and and it's happy and you're 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 moving forward but you can't help but reflect on like man what a journey it's been to get here in the past few years and then so all of those events probably start to resurface those memories come back to your your head cuz when i'm listening to this music and i'm reading through the lyrics i'm thinking this is somebody who got out the the pen and paper and and started writing down these thoughts and ideas journaling and maybe even writing songs like In the moment as they were happening because they they feel very close and intimate but if it was a reflection uh, you know a year or two or three years later i mean that just goes to show the the magnitude of those those thoughts those memories you know just the process of how how intense that was that it's kind of embedded now in in who you are and, and uh you know that you could that you could recount something like that so vividly you know years later
3: yeah, it was sort of an after-the-fact sort of thing, and I wrestled with whether I could put myself back in the moment in that way.
2: Yeah, that had to be tough.
3: I feel like I've built up some emotional endurance by doing this, and especially by preparing to p- play these songs live and not ha- you know, being able to make it through them in a live setting. I feel like I've had to—it's it- been helpful for me. It's not a disassociation or like, you um, know, I've been able to face some of my past down in a way that's helpful. Let's put it that way. And I should mention one more thing, which I, I, I have not mentioned on this podcast, what the album title means, which I should do that really quick. Aorta is a reference to the heart, obviously, Uh, Borealis is a reference to the Northern Lights. I'm sort of obsessed with the Northern Lights now and it's my number one bucket list item to be able to see them someday. And sometimes I get reports that it's coming to where I am. And the day that I was listening to the final mix of this record, I was lying on my floor looking out my window because reports were that it might come. But it The sun rose before it could come because the thing is about the Northern Lights is you can only see it against the backdrop of darkness. So to me, this story means so much. The second half of the record means so much more when you contrast it to the first half of the record. And that's when you can see that it's really beautiful. And uh, that's, that's what the album is all about. And that's what the album title means.
0: Well, this first song, as we mentioned before, is called What To Tell You. I think, Jesse, said this is the first song that was written for the album.
3: specific I should be should I jump in and just say this is exactly what happened this is my story or should I keep things a little bit more vague and somewhere along the line I heard Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers and and her record before that too, um, Stranger in the Alps and just how specific she was like one song she ri- writes about being dumped by Ryan Adams which on, you know doesn't happen to everybody <laughs> but people really connected and I really connected with those songs and how specific she was in in a deep way so I was like okay good so I can be really specific and people are going to insert themselves in the story where they see fit and I thought that was great so with what to tell you musically it starts with this sort of sound that Chris Mason sent me that sort of sounds like somebody mumbling or like there's this breathy, almost vocal quality to it.
0: Yeah, I wondered what that was. And,
3: and I don't even really know what it is. He's just like, hey, this is cool. He just would send me stuff for every song. And I'd hit play, and they'd all like come on at once. and would be like, ah! And then I'd sort of start sorting through them and putting them in different places. So he was sending me samples as well as keyboard parts, and I was like, this is what needs to start the record. And n- not just that, but I love how many how many things happen before I start playing my guitar in this song, because there was one version of this that is just one guitar, one vocal, you know, very basic. And I love that there's so much that happens before I really get into it. So to me, that opening sound is just... This, this song is about not being able to communicate something effectively because you've heard something that you can't process very well, right? So specifically to this you know it starts with the lyric I remember where I sat on the bedroom floor and heard your diagnosis over the telephone in the 11th hour of the night that you were born
4: I remember where I sat on the bedroom floor and heard your diagnosis over the telephone in the 11th hour
3: So, to me, this song was always going to go first, and we've sort of got the beginnings of like a setting and like an inciting sort of incident. And I'm like, this is going to set the stage for the rest of the record. The opening lines uh, are about uh, what happened was we went to the hospital. Alyssa was born 22 minutes after we arrived at the hospital, so it felt like our life was just changed in an instant right like this all happened really fast wow and then they put the, the the doctors and there was a ton of them in the room because it wasn't the doctors they were planning on having it was you know the janitor and like whoever they could find to pull in the room so there's a whole bunch of people in the room just trying to get through this you know birthing event and so they put my daughter Alyssa On my wife for the first time and she says hey jesse can you come over here does she look like she has down syndrome to you and kids you know anyone that's had a baby knows that they don't look how they're going to look right away sometimes they're they look like smurfs or whatever (laughs) um so i was like i don't know you know kids look weird um i'm not sure so then she sort of posed it to the room does she have down syndrome? And they said, well, what makes you say that? And then they asked the question, well, who in your family does she look like? And my wife said, she looks like my aunt who had down syndrome and nobody said anything. Oh man. But we didn't know for sure. So there was another kid that was having a hard time. So they brought in some sort of portable traveling echo machine to scan their heart. And so they were like, as long as this is here, let's scan Alyssa's heart. They found that she had a big heart problem because of that confirmed that she had Down syndrome because about half of all kids who have Down syndrome have heart problems as well. So later on we got like a DNA test or whatever that confirmed it, but they basically said right then, yeah, this is, this is your answer And so that's just a lot to take at the the same time. I think a lot of, I think the best of us can have a kid with Down syndrome and cheer and go, yay, this is going to be really cool. But I think for most parents, it's at best uncertainty. And for a lot of parents, I think it's kind of a negative view. Like this isn't what I was expecting. I was expecting something different. And that day... I had gone through this once before because this was my second child, and the day my older son was born was just a happy day. He was so cute from the minute he came out. I fell in love with him immediately. Some of the strongest feelings I've had in many years were just on the day that he was born, and there was so much joy on that day, and this day was all about uncertainty and like, what does it mean to have a kid with heart problems? How long is she going to be in the hospital? How? What is her life expectancy? Like, all of this stuff. Is she going to be able to go to college when she's 18? Like, these thoughts that you don't have when you've just got a, a baby that, you know, is typical. Just, this song is about describing that and then about trying to relay the other news to people that, are praying for a different outcome and you have to tell them no this is this is the reality of this situation when you're struggling with that yourself and then you hear that they have to struggle through their emotions as well up front that this is a journey for me as well and i wanted to document this initial part of my journey and not sugarcoat it in any way and be like but in the end it was super awesome you know like I, i just i felt like that does not validate for people that have been in a similar situation myself included it doesn't validate those feelings and i wanted to validate that those were raw and real emotions for me and that that's okay and that people didn't need to feel because i felt a lot of guilt for having the feelings that i had because i felt like i should be positive all the time and i wanted to just document this in this way and tell this story and not try to sugarcoat it in any way
0: And that's one of the things I wanted to tell you at some point here in this album is I really appreciated that. I, that came through really strong for me, Jesse, about how you were telling the world how you felt in that moment. And you weren't trying to put the bow on it at the beginning. You're a human being and this was the day she was born and this is not what you had expected and this is what you're feeling if this album is giving a message to other people that might be going through this or something similar, like you said, this doesn't have to be exactly transferable. These are human emotions that could apply to other things. I think that was really important, and I'm so glad
2: that you did that. Thank you. I really appreciate your honesty and openness as well, and I'm sure any other parents who have gone through a, a difficult childbirth, for whatever reason, I imagine they appreciate it as well because this this does show you uh, a true sense of uncertainty fear of the unknown you know and it it uh, depicts some of those emotions that are raw as you said like trevor mentioned that takes a lot of bravery to say that because some people could be critical and say well you shouldn't have any negative thoughts surrounding something like that you should accept it for what it is right away and and be positive and move on but 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 the reality is that in this situation or anything in life where you're, you're expecting a certain outcome and it, and it doesn't quite go that way, you know, it's, it's a process. It doesn't happen right away and it takes time to digest and understand the new circumstances and slowly on your own terms, figure out what that means and, and move forward in, in a positive light eventually. But, you know, there, there's a lot of mixed emotions to get to that end point.
3: Yeah, and so Down syndrome is one thing, but heart surgery is, no one celebrates heart surgery, right? So this became the sort of central focus of our life for a while, trying to keep her healthy and trying to keep her alive. What they told me was that, oh, heart surgery in kids with Down syndrome is really common. And so I mistook common with easy to fix, but open heart surgery is a big deal every time and so becoming to understand what this meant for her and trying to get her well um, you know quickly dominated our lives and the down syndrome thing quickly got pushed to the background because babies with down syndrome are they just do what babies do right like it's not that different Um, so that got pushed to the side for a while while we tried to figure out the heart surgery thing
4: the holes found in you
2: the song the holes found in your heart now echoed in my own man that that was powerful that that hit me right away can you elaborate uh on the 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 medical issues and and what um what they had to do and what, what the docs were telling you. No, I don't know if it's this song or a later song. There there was a line about, you know, one doc telling you something and being more confused and then saying, hey, there's a surgery that we have to do to get to the next surgery and kind of the, the confusion wrapped up in that. But from what you understand um, medically, what uh, what was Alyssa faced with from the beginning? What What were the, uh, you know, the chances or, or, or expectations going into some of those procedures and the news that you, that you were um, being informed of in the early stages there?
5: Yeah.
3: So first of all, just to address the line that you mentioned, the holes found in your heart now echoed in my own. I think that sets up the rest of the record just in terms of People, I hope, are actually confused at certain points about is he talking about Alyssa or is he talking about himself? Because there's this journey when you go through stuff with your kids, they are wrapped up and sort of the the two are one thing to a certain degree. And, and so that sort of uh, is a preamble to a lot of the rest of the record. Alyssa had a full or a complete AVSD, which means that she needed... All of the walls in her heart repaired. She had basically one chamber, one place in the heart for her to for her blood to flow, rather than four. Mm. So, and we'll get more into that because, like you said that that does come up more in in a, a later song. But she, um, she later just stopped eating, and yeah, we'll talk about that more later. But they needed to do a full AVSD repair, which they did at about six months old.
0: And I was listening, Jesse, I listened to this song, you know, lots of times before I think I heard you on another podcast talking a little bit about, if I'm not mistaken, it was actually your wife that delivered the news to you that, that on that 11th hour, when the telephone rang, it was her voice that you were talking to. Um, and I just pictured somebody medical calling and giving you guys the diagnosis, but that put a lot of it in perspective. Am I getting that part? Right
3: yeah, that's correct. So I went home from the hospital to put my son down because he was with his grandparents, and we wanted him to go to sleep in his own bed. So Carrie stayed at the hospital and I went home. I put him down, and it was late and then a little bit after that. Um, you know, from being at the hospital all day, my phone was running out of juice, so it was plugged in and it rang and I ended up grabbing it in this weird spot in the on the floor. And, you know, she, my wife told me all this news and we're just, you know, trying to figure it out together. But that was not like, I don't live there anymore. And I'm very grateful for that because that's like, I used to just look at that place and be like, ugh, I don't, I don't want to be in that room anymore. And that mm-hmm. was my bedroom. So you're like, yeah, that's yeah. not a great situation. So I was glad to move out of that place. But yes, that was my wife calling on the phone.
0: That puts a lot of it in perspective for me. I, I thought it would be so hard to get that news and then just the words, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you and uh, just not knowing what to say in that moment. I think that would be really a challenge for sure.
3: Yeah, and trying trying to be a strong person at the same time be a human person like we've already yeah. talked about. Yeah, It's like sometimes the best thing you can do is be a human being as well and just, you know cry alongside your significant other as well um so yeah there everybody was having a hard time that day (laughs) while there's not a lot of hope in this song in the words like i said there's not a big but it gets better sort of anywhere in here there just for me nobody else would get this but there's this song is written in the key of d so you have a lot of d's and that there's there there's Let me say two things about these sort of hidden things that I put in for myself musically. The song starts with a single note melody line. And then that to me was like getting to the hospital, that sort of preamble stuff. And then when that comes back around, it has a higher note in there as well. And so those two things are together. So that's representing myself. And then Alyssa, when she was born, we're sort of trying to work through this and the melodies happening, the, the two of us together. So that's one thing that's like note wise, there's some significance there to me. And then at the very end, you have this D note and I'm D, I'm the dad. And then you've got hmm. A for Alyssa. There's this high A in there. And in between, there's a bunch of dissonance, Right. So it's yeah. like, bah, oh, there's this low D, and then da, da 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 da, like these two notes that are really close to each other, creating a bunch of dissonance, and then da, right at the end, that's an A. So to me, that's all about like, look, the relationship with me and Alyssa, that's not the problem. The problem is all this other stuff, and so there's there's significance even in in the notes in that way to me. Wow, oh, that's, that's super really creative.
0: Yeah. As we transition into the next song, I was thinking, you know, that first one, like you said, it's, it's reflective. Shane asked when these songs were written and it, there was years that passed between that event. And so, you know, you're there and you're putting us in that position, but it also did feel like it was a reflection. And then I know they were all written after the fact, but I felt like this next song, Together, we were thrown into it. And, and to me, this felt like we were we were in the mix with you going through this. And so this next song is called Together. Drums that we're hearing really stood out to me right away. Will you remind me of the name of the gentleman that did the drums for the song?
3: That's Steve Gould.
0: Killed it. I love those drums.
3: It, the idea there was just something really busy and then a lot of space. And then the busy thing again and then a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And I sort of sent him the idea and I thought, well, he'll riff on this. And then he basically did almost exactly what I sent him. Uh, and I thought it turned out pretty good. So I mentioned that I recorded the guitars direct, right? And I had to buy some gear to try to make that sound good. Yeah. The thing that you can't do when you record without an amplifier is create feedback, right? And like just growing up on Weezer records and all the other stuff where feedback just has and uh, like Sunny Day Real Estate being it, like having this f- feedback has it, like gives me a lot of feels. And so I bought this pedal that is heavily featured on this song called the Digitech Freakout and Freakout hmm. is spelled in a really weird way. And this is heavily featured on this song. Just so all those like squeaky things that happen. That's just me leaving on this pedal and letting it do what it does. Um, so you can hear that right at the beginning. And yeah, it just kind of starts with this lonely sort of guitar line that, that fades in, you know, from the previous song a lot of these songs are trying to do double or triple duty, right? So initially it was like I wanted to write a song about how Alyssa helped me through like her own health issues. So people that have a prenatal diagnosis, right, so they find out ahead of time that their kid is going to have a health problem or be in some way atypical, Um, they have a different journey. For me, I got to meet Alyssa as soon as I found out that there were some heart problems. And just her being there helped me fight for her because I was like, oh, this, is a, this isn't an idea of a human being. This is a human being that is right here. And she's great, and I love her a lot. And she had a very sort of comforting presence and reminded me every day why I was bringing, you know going to all these doctor visits and why I was flipping my life upside down to try to to get her well and back on the right path. And then you'll notice in later on in the song, it talks about um, nobody sees the desert island you feel stranded on. And then it talks about people walking the path before you. And that was just about me finding a community of people, especially online, that had walked this path before me that said like helpful things and that I wasn't the only person that had gone through all of this before. And so Together is about both of those things And I wanted to not make those two separate songs Called like Together 1 and Together 2 Although I did consider that at one point Hmm. Just to try to get this to to all happen in the
4: same song
2: That's awesome. I, I, I got it. I think that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, if that line, we can get through it if we, if we do it together, was about you and Alyssa getting through it together, both, both playing your role as uh, her father and then, and then her as the, the patient, uh, being strong, the two of you going through it together, or, or if it was referring to you and your wife and uh, being a team. To raise your daughter or you in the community of others raising children with Down syndrome or others that are born with heart defects. And it sounds like the answer is kind of all of the above. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Shane, I, I didn't even it.
0: pick up on that. That's that's really neat. Very cool. To me, I felt like this was like the suiting up song. I actually mm-hmm. remember one of the times I was listening to this. This is my my listening habits is with my Bart ride often just because that's as you know as a dad sometimes the only time I really get to myself yep. and I was leaving Bart walking back to my car where I drive just like a mile to get to the station and my bluetooth switched over from my headphones to my car and right in that as that drum beat was going I'm pushing on the accelerator and I just felt like I'm just like Batman suiting up right now <laughs> and that's kind of what this song is I mean it's sort of like the first song is this reflection and it's quiet and you're you're just trying to make sense of what this diagnosis is. And then this next one is like that call to action where it's like the dad just kind of going, all right, let's do this. I don't even have time to think or feel. Let's let's suit up and, and get to work.
3: I'm glad this song came about. If you take this song out, the first three songs are pretty... I don't want to say samey, but they're all pretty chill. And this gives you an idea of what's coming later, just musically, that it can get a little bit heavier and louder. Um, but yeah, if it, it, I definitely, yeah, it feels like a suiting up. It feels like, okay, here we go. Gather all your resolve. We've got a road in front of us. And, and the part of it is when you have this sort of thing happen, you're, you have sort of this fight-or-flight response, right? And my wife, Carrie, and I had some conversations about, okay, our life is in unrest, and now we have a kid who is unwell. Can we handle this financially? Can we handle this emotionally? And it didn't take long for us to decide we are in a better position than a lot of people to be able to get through this, so here we go. And that to me there, I had to make that decision. I couldn't just be like, well, okay, I guess I'll go one more day, you know, one foot in front of the other. I had to be like, okay, I'm, I'm making a decision to, like you said, suit up and do this. And I didn't. The other thing about this song is is I didn't bond with Alyssa in the same way I did with Tyler, my older son, right away because there was all this uncertainty. Um, and for a number of reasons, it was her... F- the, part of this story is about how she got a feeding tube. Um, or it was, She had some different things going on where I was in the hospital with her because my wife went back to work, I was spending a lot of the time working with her in and out of hospitals and doctor's offices and that sort of thing. And there was one time when they said, okay, we're gonna keep you overnight one more day just because we don't feel like you're comfortable. And I felt really strongly that it was like, nope, I'm taking my kid home now. And to me, that was the first time that the two of us bonded like, hey, we're need to. we gonna figure this out together we're going to work with the doctors, but at the end of the day, I'm your dad and I'm taking you home now. So that was a really big deal for wow. me. And that was the part where I was like, I felt like I bonded with her several months in just as strongly. It just took a little while. So that's mm. sort of wrapped up in this song as well.
5: Yeah. yeah.
0: Should we move on to track three? Let's do it. Track three is called Lullaby for the Frail.
4: As you can see, I'm holding it together. I am nowhere near the end of my tether. Someday we'll go climbing trees and I can stop thinking.
2: So th- this song, to me, and, and kind of um, after going through the album a handful of times and, and thinking about its place on the album and the timeline of where you're at in the process of, of battling some of these health issues and you're still kind of in that difficult stage. You're trying to tell yourself all the right things, you know, be strong, you're going to be okay, but you're still kind of in that unfamiliar territory where you're not you're not totally convinced yet that you can. That sense of being in the middle ground of, okay, like here's what it is we're we're kind of past that that shock of hitch in the face with the bad news but then not quite over the hump yet where you know there's that light but you kind of see it you're starting to process the idea that you know maybe we can get through this here as you can see
4: i'm holding it together this is certainly a storm that we can weather by the time that I'm sure I'll have figured out a way to keep you safe from the Yeah, that's
3: very that observant I of you. I, I like how the opening line uses that word together from the previous song. And so the, the, the final lines of uh, the previous song talk about, we can get through it if we do it together. And then this song is like, and I'm just barely holding it together. And mm-hmm. so I yeah. think one direction that, you know, I could have taken this. Was it's just a steady climb and everything is sort of neat and it just keeps getting, you know, better and whatever. And this is like, yep, there's going to be some ups and downs. And this mm-hmm. season was definitely one of the down seasons. Um, and this one, you know, is is pretty literal and tells the story in a in a pretty straightforward way. This was another song that I thought, oh, maybe I can write a lullaby for this record. And for each song, I was deciding whether it was going to go on the first half or the second half of the record, sort of the darker side or the lighter, more joy-filled, happier side of the record. And at first it was like, yeah, lullaby. I'll, I'll sing that. It'll be a nice thing celebrating Alyssa. And then at some point it popped into my head, I've got one more chapter to tell. It fits here. Oh, it's going to be like a dark lullaby. Oh yeah, I have to do that now. <laughs> so that's kind of how this came about. It's the song switches time signatures very sort of subtly a bunch of times. so the the it starts on the chorus and the the chorus is in four four and it's about me sort of saying to Alyssa um sort of singing her to sleep for her afternoon nap or whatever. And then a lot of times was after she would, go down for her nap, I would be frantically on the phone with a bunch of different doctors, specifically her cardiologist. And her cardiologist was calling me more than I was calling him. And when your doctor is calling you more than you're calling them, like you know that they're concerned.
4: And she
3: had stopped eating. My wife had to go back to work so that we could maintain our health insurance, which as you would imagine was really important during this time. Um, You know, we didn't have any vacation time built up because we had just moved to the country. So we did a test about whether Alyssa would take a bottle or not, and she did. And then mom went back to work and her heart got too weak and she wouldn't take it anymore. Um, And so I was spending... All day, just she would make it until about noon, and then she would get so hungry that she would just cry until her mom got home. And it was so taxing on me. Like, you think, I don't know what people assume, but maybe people think that the hardest part of a kid who needs heart surgery, for example, is the heart surgery day. But to me, like this season and the day in and the day out of what this meant for my life. And they, the doctors wanted her to make it to about six months old before they did the surgery because they wanted her heart to be like the size of a walnut, not the size of a pea or whatever. Like they're doing this really finite, like really fine work and they want her to be big enough. But she was in that sort of failure to thrive range and a lot of that was falling on my shoulders and my wife's too, but this this is just sort of my end of that story. And so again, it's uh one time of signature for me like singing to Alyssa and then another one for me being on the phone trying to figure out how to fix this. And like Trevor, you'll probably relate to this. Um, I'm not like a big tool guy. I don't like, you know, whatever. But I feel like there's something innate as parents that like you as, as dads, you say, well, we can fix this. Here's a problem. I'm going to use my tools and my resources and we're going to figure it out. But there's certain things that if you say, well, we can figure this out, that you're kind of lying to yourself. There are certain problems that dads can't just fix with their hammer or their like intuition or whatever.
0: Or even just like putting your nose to the grindstone and just doing more. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think that's the default for most dads of just like, you know what? I'll just work harder. I won't sleep. I won't eat. I'll just do everything. And just knowing that even that can't fix this situation, that this is out of your control, I, I can just imagine that being just so hard to feel helpless in that moment, trying yeah. to trying to be dad. Right on.
4: Another specialist Whose advice doesn't help me make sense of this To get ready for surgery We're gonna need another
2: surgery this is that song I was referring to earlier. Another day, another specialist whose advice doesn't help me make sense of this. To get ready for surgery, we're going to need another surgery. You know, just the uncertainty of the situation and, and the unknown, being in a a foreign world, you know, with, with medical terminology and all these complex ideas where, you know, they're trying to simplify it and and help people understand. But at the end of the day, you have to rely on other people to fix that problem, and as as the dad of the child wanting to do everything you possibly can and knowing that it doesn't, doesn't really matter how hard you work or how much you desire it. It's kind of out of, it's out of your hands. You know, that's, that's gotta be tough to, you know, accept. It's hard to hand a kid like that off to somebody else and say,
3: Hey, I need a break because they see that like her sternum when she breathes is like sucking in and out. And they see that like, you know, a, a lot of times what I do is when she was having trouble breathing, I'd put her in the bathroom and run the shower on hot, and that would help her fall asleep and would help her, like, um, breathe a little bit better. Mm. But you can't—it's you, really hard to hand a kid like that off to family members, so it's a lot of it's on you um, to be able to figure that out. There's a lot of this album that—when I think of— songs having sort of a life or death sense of urgency to them. I don't think of songs that sound like this. You know, I think yeah. of songs that are a little bit heavier and bigger and weightier, and this one it sort of has this feel, like I said, it's a dark lullaby. It's this uneasy feeling, um, which, you know, I, Chris Mason sent me some, I isolated what he did with the keys, and I was like, Out of context, that's really eerie, like what he played within the context of the song. It sounded pretty. And then I chopped it up into a million pieces at the end and did all this, you know, weird reversing of different kinds of audio and clipping. And all of a sudden, all the eeriness behind what was happening in the song kind of comes out at the end.
0: I was just thinking too. My, the line that hit me maybe the most in the album, but definitely on this song, was just you know talking about her being strangely stubborn and, and tough as nails, and just thinking you're already getting to know her. Mm-hmm. You know, in the midst of all of this, that this is a foreshadowing of, of who she is and part of that bonding. And I just thought that was really um, a cool thing to put in the midst of just trying to deal with everything else. To go, yeah, but I'm I'm starting to see who this person is. Yeah, thanks yeah. for that.
4: I just wish there was any
2: to
0: the next track
2: yeah yeah let's take a look at track four this one is titled run the long race
3: songs on this record because it is simultaneously one track but it feels like two different songs and sometimes I feel like it's just a bridge to the next song like it feels like so many different things musically to me and it's a the the first half of the song is about handing or, or say, saying goodbye to your kid before you hand them off to be put under. And I saw a a medical, fictional medical TV show one time where they posed the question: Does a person's will to live affect whether or not they wake up from being put under the knife? You know, Mm. and the 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 show kind of posited yes, it does. And then I was asking myself, does that apply to a six-month-old? And does my desire for her to live make any difference about whether she does or not? It's, it starts with talking about, you know, z- zipline day... Is here and zip line is you know, they they this is open heart surgery, so they make an incision in her chest, oh, and that's okay, called okay. The, the the zip line, right? Because oh, then they yeah. sew it
2: back together. I missed that, I should have caught that. We both should have caught that, Trevor, as medical person. I had a little different <laughs> thought process. Um, that I want to hear the rest of this, yeah. and I'll, I'll tell
0: you where my yeah. brain was going. Please
3: do, I love to hear that. And again, we've got, we've got the reference to a broken heart, which has additional meaning than maybe it usually has. I did um, pick that up, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, you know handing her over to the to the surgeon and being like, "Hey, we want you to come back the
5: noise, bringing you back home. Mm,
3: that's the home. And then in verse two we've got... Um, This line, and I'm interested to hear if you guys had any thoughts on this. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war, march like you have never marched before. And what happens musically in that point of time is it becomes increasingly like intense and kind of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh discordant. And um, so to me, I've always had a disdain for like biblical references to war that Christians use, like that bothers me. And so it's there to me in sort of a sarcastic way and like saying, is this really all that I can
4: do? Uh.
3: second half of the tune is just music and it's just the process of pacing the waiting room seeing if you know waiting for the doctor to come in and tell you whether your kid made it through or not it's you know got a a string quintet on there to sort of help feel the things that I was feeling and the opening riff for this is like 20 years old and I was waiting for the Mm. right time to to put it on there. To, to have a use for it. And I don't know if this is going to ruin the song for anybody, but for the longest time, the chorus was just, I couldn't put anything in there except for why the long face, which always felt like a joke of like the horse walks into the bar. Uh-huh. And so for whatever reason, I could not change it except to put something that rhymed with that lyric. And so yeah. R- Run the Long Race became about just mm. like, hey, your life is a marathon. It needs to not end now.
2: I just kept thinking one day at a time. Uh, you know th- that line about onward, Christian soldiers march like you have never marched before. I thought maybe, maybe a prayer request. You know, just uh, whoever is out there who, who knows what we're going through, have us in your in your thoughts and prayers. You know, I, I know some people depending on faith, you know, really believe in the. The power of prayer and, and coming together, and if, if everybody is hoping and wishing and praying for for the outcome, that maybe you can somehow uh, think that into motion. So that that's kind of how I took that line.
3: It it represents sort of a crisis of faith as well, um, just trying to figure out whether or not you believe that the all the people that say, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna pray," mm-hmm. whether or not you feel like that is going to help or not and reevaluating that situation. But either way you feel helpless because you're, you're giving your child over to the doctor. You're giving the outcome over to God and you just feel like, what say do I get over this? You know what I mean?
0: But I was thinking of just like, you know, a zip line is like you're flying through the air from one temporary landing space to the next. So this is a song about running the long race, and this mm-hmm. is maybe one of those little landing spots where you gather yourself or you try to, and so you're just these zip line days from one thing to the next.
2: I like that. Yeah, that's cool.
0: And then, man, transitions. Seriously, the, the strings on the outro. Okay, can you remind me all the musicians in that part?
3: Uh, Ed Harper was my primary contact. I didn't work with his wife that much, but he did because uh, his wife, Catherine uh, Sullivan, was playing viola and violin so he would pull her in and he would he he wrote the parts but there was definitely like a lot of me writing him a lot of like this is what I want it to be like sometimes I would make him videos you know I want it to go here and there and then yeah the the transitions and trying to make this flow together and make it seem like one story was really important to me um you know like like you mentioned this was going to be an, an album you know, in the era of singles. And so I'm going to make it, you know... So trying to make it so that the tracks start and sound like a new song, and at the same time it still sounds like the other song and, like, they're flowing together was something that uh, me and Chris Carr, who mixed this, went back and forth a lot on, like, how are we going to do that? Because these are two separate files, and they're at two different tempos, and so how are we going to pull this all together? And so we just did the best we could. And, and yeah, this, so this transition that happens at the end, I do my best impression of a heart monitor at the end on my acoustic guitar, just sort of smacking the strings and, um, having this note, one note kind of ring out and it sort of starts slow. And then it goes up to sort of what maybe a normal heartbeat would sound like. Um, and then that transitions straight into the next song, which is in a different time signature. Um, And that's all just, I think it's pretty obvious, will be obvious to people that's just supposed to signify, hey, like she did make it through, but that doesn't mean that all is well.
0: Yeah, you're on to the next part. Well, let's move on to that next part. Jesse, tell us the name of this next song.
3: So the next song is a cover by Sunny Day Real Estate called How It Feels to Be Something On.
2: and I have talked about how nobody sings like Jeremy Enix. You do a pretty good job. I mean, obviously, you, you put your own, own your own spin on it, and and I like that. I feel like you're able to to match that in your own in your own fashion, which is pretty cool.
3: That that's high praise. Thank you for hmm. that. Uh, J- Jeremy's yeah, Jeremy Enix's voice is absolutely one of a kind. It's like automatic. I learned this word recently recently fission. Have you guys heard this word? No, this is no. like. The, the thing that causes the hairs on the back of your neck to stand up? <laughs> like, he has that thing, whatever yeah, that thing yeah. is. Yeah, right. He's, it's hard he's to he's
2: describe. Got,
3: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got that thing. And I, I didn't necessarily mean to change the key on this, but it's a step and a half lower than the original, which was a little bit more comfortable to me because Jeremy's got this insane range and it felt a little bit more somber, too, sort of lowering the key a little bit, which is, I, I think, what I was going for as well.
0: I got to introduce Shane to Sunny Day Real Estate. That was one of the most fun things for me, is to, to introduce him. And, and I think, Shane, if I can speak for you, this is probably maybe the song that spoke to you the most off of this album by the same name. I know it was up there for you. Yeah, I think so. I really so. liked your uh, yeah. your thoughts and interpretation on on this song when we yeah. were talking about this album for one of our episodes. And in listening to uh, your album, Jesse, you know, I never really unpacked the song. I really could figure out what I thought it was. I just sort of let it wash over me because I thought it was beautiful, but I actually think there's a bit of overlap and, and maybe the two of you can talk together about you know this these thoughts of these machines and what this means and how does this song a song that I love and a song that I've been listening to a long time how does this relate to your story and alyssa's story
3: I wanted to write a song about the first time I saw her after surgery but wanted to is probably not the right word like had to need it felt like I needed to um because there's that moment coming out of the last song yay she survived and then you go see her and she's like you're like Oh, this is what that means. Mm. She was hooked up to right around 30 different machines with just wow. so many wires mm. coming out of so many different places on her body and wow. not just, you know, the the stuff that that where they use like a sticker or a band-aid, some of it is, you know, actually poked through. And you're like, "Whoa, okay, that's disturbing, right? Like, you don't want to see your kid like that. Um, So when I was trying to figure out how am I going to write this, how in the world am I going to describe this, I just kept thinking about this song, one of my favorite songs of all time, and thinking about a field of wires. And like, that's what it was. What I'll do is I will take that line, A Field of Wires, and I will completely repurpose it, and I'll flip it on its head, and I'll write a new song. And it just was not happening. So I went through this song line by line, and it's sort of vague enough that I I went through it line by line, and I went, actually, this is everything that I want to say. And so I reached out to Jeremy Enoch, and he said like I said can I use this song and he basically gave me his blessing and said yeah you know just go through the right channels and yeah that's fine and so that was really nice so I I ran with it and I you know I can break this down line by line but definitely the field of wires thing was the inception point for this tune.
0: Well Jesse this is this is a your opportunity to do it you know we're, we're these long-winded nerdy podcasters <laughs> I, I would love to hear it doesn't have to be every line but unpack a little bit for me. I, I'd, I'd love to hear how that, that line and others might have related to this moment for you.
3: Yeah. Um, so we already talked about the field of wires thing. And then right after that, he's, uh, I don't know whether to say I or he, I guess I'll go with, yeah, I don't know. I'll figure that out. I hear um, you. Yeah. it says, uh, we'll see what it's worth to walk. And I, uh, I think I know to him, to Jeremy, that meant to just sort of walk out this thing. And I think Shane hit it on, on its head when you guys did a deep dive on this record. Just sort of having experienced the mountaintop only to fall all the way back down and realize that none of that really mattered, especially if you're not able to get out of the current situation that you're in. Um, so that, in a broad sense, is holding true to the original. That's the way it felt. But the see it, what it's worth to walk thing is about Alyssa had never walked before. So now we'll see how much it takes to get her walking financially, emotionally, um, just her effort, her upbringing. We'll, we'll see how long this road is going to go to get to that point. Talks about to break the lines of alternate steel. To me, that sort of is a reference to breaking out of jail, like sort of feeling trapped. Mm. And then just a lot of the rest of it, um, if I turn around what matters the most in time, we're going nowhere. It just feels like you're stuck in the hospital, your own emotions on it. Like I said earlier, this whole thing is about not just Alyssa, but me trying to navigate my own journey with it. Um, because Alyssa has a completely different experience than I do, and I could only sort of tell my side of it. The line about to fill it up but spill instead is just about having your cup be full and now feeling like it's empty. To me, this is the rock
4: bottom song on the album.
3: Again, you think like in together that it's going to keep getting better because you gathered your resolve, but like, nope, I'm at, I'm at the bottom now is the way this sort of feels. Yeah. Yeah. And I changed a couple of the lyrics, uh, on this right. tune, which you may have noticed. Um, I put, cause I kept listening to different versions online. Cause this is a Jeremy Enoch solo song that became a sunny day real estate song and so he still plays it by himself, a lot of times solo with a piano or a keyboard. And he's changing the lyrics all the time. And so I felt like I could do that a little bit too. He says a line, something about, like, days, weeks, at, uh, and I rush, or as, and Iris, maybe he says. So, like, there was some of it, because I didn't have the lyrics, because he's changing them. That, to me, became... um dazed week as I run so that was a new line that sort of is very similar to what he said but felt like this is the way I'm feeling just trying to sort of get through this Um, and then at the very end uh, the completely brand new lyric is all in time will be everything we've tried just to stay alive all these things I've seen how it feels to be something on how it feels to be something on, you guys talked about it in the past. It's sort of the opposite of what it feels to be something off to me. You know what I mean? So I've seen what the mountaintop, I've seen what it's like to be fully alive and I need to get back there, but that's not where I am right now.
0: Well, you did a beautiful job with the song and I I like, just like Shane said, you, you touch on some of those things that make it so beautiful, but you do make it your own this was one of the ones I think you'd mentioned early on before the album came out, just cause we, you knew that we had bonded over Sunday day and saying, Hey, I'm going to be doing a cover of this. I think I was initially excited, but then right away I was kind of like maybe a little bit scared or something like that. Just Me thinking too. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe you maybe just, maybe leave that one alone, Jesse, you, you, you got your own thing going, but it fits perfectly. You did it so well. And I can't imagine anybody listening, Jeremy included, wouldn't completely agree with that because I think I think you do it justice and you, you put it in a way that's honoring what it is and also fitting it in, in your own life and this own um, story. And I, I think you did such a great job. So I'm so glad it's here.
3: Well, thank you. I Initially, the idea was I don't know how to make a song that I see as a 10 out of 10 better. And when I realized that that's what I had jumped into, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> God, yeah. What am I going to do now? If it was a nine and a half then I could just try to get it up to a 10. But I'm like, well, I can't make this any better. So the initial idea was the middle, I'm going to leave the structure the same, and I'm going to make a longer intro, and I'm going to add something at the end, and the middle will stay the same. But then the middle sort of changed as well. Not structurally. It's still like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, the same sort of deal. But um, instrumentation-wise... I was trying to borrow from his piano performances and put some of that in there as well, put some of those ideas in, um, and then use some of the... the th- there's three cellos on this song and sort of being able to use some of that because I feel like if Jeremy could redo this song... He would probably put the chamber pop thing on it, like he did on uh, Return of the Frog Queen or something, and I would love to hear him do that. But I felt like since that may or may not ever happen, well, I can try to do that here. Yeah, and let me just say about Sunny Day Real Estate that they're a huge influence on me because they're they're always experimenting without being experimental. So you think about like Rush or fish or something like that how they're messing around to kind of mess around and you can hear that sunny day does all of these and creative things without feeling like they're just messing around it's all in purpose of serving the song and it's a really hard balance to get and something that inspires me to try to do that all the time
0: yeah, that's well said. I never really thought about that with them, but, but that's a really good description.
2: I'm really glad you in- included this cover on the album too. I I think it it uh, definitely fits. It's nice to hear your interpretation of it. Again, just to reiterate, I think the song fits perfectly on the album. I'm, I'm glad you chose it as a cover. and Hopefully, Jeremy has listened uh, to it. If not, I don't know, maybe we can uh, encourage him on one of the Facebook pages or something, tag him. I, I'm sure he'd be pleased and... Uh, you know, would, would, um, feel like you did it justice.
3: Well, thanks for that. Uh, guy, guy is my hero. So would, (laughs) uh, would love for him to check it out. Um, but it was cool to connect with him just a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you sort of touched on it. The, the, the hollow peaks we've climbed thing and all we gave to fly is kind of uh, similar in that vein. It's just like, Hey, I've been here I'm raising my hand high now Because I'm realizing that this is audio only <laughs> And then you know But right now I'm down here So it's it's like Okay here we are How are we going to get back there Is this possible to get back there And so that sort of sets the stage For what's coming next Why don't you introduce the next one Jesse Yeah this next song comes right out of How it feels to be something on And it's called Recovery
4: Recovery
3: Okay, so if how it feels to be something on is about falling to the the bottom of the mountainside. Recovery is about trying to climb your way back out. So for me personally, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and I didn't attend to that for a long time because I was too busy um, with other doctor's appointments, specifically for Alyssa, and eventually couldn't play with my kids on the floor. I needed to hold Alyssa a lot in one hand while doing other things, bending down, picking things up that, you know, her bottle that she would drop or whatever. And I was feeding her through a feeding tube. You can imagine how many arms that takes and just feeling like my mobility was super limited. And all of a sudden I needed to figure out what was going on and it took a while. Um, So recovery starts with the line, uh, recovery, surprisingly, felt like coming out of a cave. Yay. Recovery (laughs) repeatedly felt like being spit on a shore after a tidal wave. Boo. Right? So it's got kind of a lot of the ups and downs there. And a lot of these things I didn't know the way it was going to come out until I wrote it. I thought, okay, well, this next section is about how things got better. It's an up and down process. Recovery is not a straight line. And I think a lot of people who have been through various kinds of recovery are going to relate to that in this song. And just realizing, you know, a lot of parents or people that are caring for others stop taking care of themselves in the process. And they always tell you on airplanes to secure your own oxygen mask if they come down first so that you don't Mm -hmm. pass out before you can put it on the person you're in charge of, and I was not doing a great job of that, and then eventually it came to a head. (laughs) So it's about my own personal recovery and obviously Alyssa's going through recovery at this time as well. And the riff in this tune sort of, you can see it, but you can also hear it. But it starts in the middle of the fretboard and works its way to the top and then goes all the way back down and then climbs all the way up again. So it's just this process of like, I picture somebody sort of like climbing up a muddy slope and just Mm -hmm. continuing to Mm -hmm. fight to sort of make Progress of I any kind.
4: That.
2: The part about
3: being nailed to the floor, I think, for a lot of people will um, summon ideas of depression and not being able to get out of bed in the morning, that sort of thing. But it was also a physical thing for me. Like I said, I would get down on the floor and I couldn't get back up again. And I was like, uh, what is wrong? So that's what that's about. This is my favorite song on the record, by the way, just because Uh it was a lot of times what I like to do is make a a mashup of a bunch of different styles. So to me, like, what if I put sort of some of the rhythmic ideas of Green Day, but I didn't play any power chords? You know, I played like finger style Beatles, you know, riffs and that sort of thing. And then just brought the whole thing to a head and it gets it gets pretty intense at the end. And one of the other things I'll say while I'm thinking about it musically, it has this big sort of build up at the end and it's got all these distorted layered vocals and then my fa- there's like a one I can tell you the one second that is my favorite thing on this album I yell the word hey I was going to ask you
0: if if that was you or somebody else, yeah. That was
3: me, and this, so this is like the second song I sent to Chris, who mixed the record, and he gave me some guidelines, and one of the main ones was, whatever you do, just don't clip. And you guys know what that is, right? Where you you, you sing into the microphone so loudly that it distorts and it messes with the audio. And so I yelled hey into the microphone and blew it out completely, And I was like, but I really like it. And I sent it to him. (laughs) He's like, rock and roll. Let's do this. Let's do it. And so that's what's on the record. And as soon as that happens, to me, it's like someone screaming from like a desert island, like seeing a boat go by. Like to me, that's what that invokes for me. And then all of the vocals, the distortion comes off of them. So it sounds to me like zombies rising out of the grave, like coming back Mm -hmm. to life. And just that whole section, I just, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. And the whole thing is off kilter. It's this seven measure riff, which just always feels like it's not finding its footing. And um, it was just a kind of a big experiment that I like the way it turned out.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a really complicated one that would have been hard to finally put together, which you know perfectly depicts what it must have felt like what you were going through at the time of just trying to get your bearings and, and figure out where you were. I, I said of this one in my notes that, you know, you've put the weight on your back up to this point because you've had to. And now you're finally assessing the damage and understandably and not surprisingly, you're not leaving through that unscathed. Back to um, just being really open and honest about what this was like, giving other people the ability to have the excuse to to do the same when they're going through something. I, I picked up on, you know, even just difficulties within your relationship, maybe just trying to figure out what the two of you were arguing about and uh, how all of those interpersonal elements might be related to what you were going through with Alyssa as well.
3: That's, that's really keen. I think some people might think that it's, me arguing with doctors about like whether or not they because uh, that's part of it is some of the doctors that I was starting to visit told me well you know you are getting older and I'm like nope not this fast and so I'm sort of like why are we still arguing about this like give me something to help mm-hmm. me through this so that's part of it but I think the initial thought behind it was exactly what you were saying which is that your relationships, all take a hit when there's a prolonged crisis happening, sure. and just you just under the 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 waves hitting you over and over again. I admire people that, with their significant other, they can say, "Well, we got closer during this time period because we linked arms and we, you know, really became closer during that difficult time." That's not me. That's not you know. I, I think for most people. It's the, the more stress there is, the harder it is to connect with the people around you and the harder it is to take the extra time to be kind and show them that you care about them because you're just, you just got your head down all the time. The The final chord of the song ends with, um, it's called a Picardy third. So that basically means you're expecting a minor chord and it's been the minor chord the entire song. And then it hits the major chord at the end, which feels like, oh, there's a little, Twinkle of, of light. There's something that is starting to go right. You're starting to find your way out after a a long period of time. One of my favorite lines in the tune is recovery frustratingly wasn't synchronized onto the timeline I told it to be. Again, about finding that control in your life and realizing how little you actually
4: have.
2: There's a lot of layers to that song, then it's it's recovery of you know maybe some some emotional trauma or, or um, difficult times that that you went through yourself, you know, and finding out the news about Alyssa and and going through some of those difficult times, but also your wife and her own experiences and how the two of you handled that together and how that was maybe uh, a little bit of a strain at times where your relationship probably had to take a back seat. Um, your health had to take a back seat, everything kind of had to be put on hold in a sense to deal with the more pressing uh, matter at the time and then once there's kind of some clarity there and some some stability and some some reassurance that things will be okay then it's all right well what's been on the back burner now the past uh, three four years what what else do we need to attend to and now we can get back to fixing ourselves and kind of straightening up some things there you know so that we can be better versions of our ourselves going forward as parents and uh you know, Alyssa's is, is more healthy and we can all kind of work on all the different parts and come together.
3: Yeah. And what happens that's sort of alluded to in this song that's really the emphasis of the next one is that we found out that Alyssa needed a second heart surgery, which caused a certain amount of um, PTSD for us. And I don't I, I never wanted to use that term because I was like, I feel like it's a little disrespectful Two soldiers who have been shot at and like had stuff explode next to them and lost limbs. And Mm. so I I feel a little bit uncomfortable about that. But doctors have actually talked to us about like, this this is what you have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because when you feel like you're out of the woods and then it turns out you're not, that does something to your psyche that you're just worried. You're looking around all the time, like Mm. what's going to happen next? Um, so that's definitely part of what's in this
2: tune. I think that's totally an appropriate uh, term for you to use, and probably the right uh, medical diagnosis for for the the situation and the feelings. I know we we typically hear about that related to soldiers coming back from from war in you know everyday life, and so we we tend to associate that term PTSD with with them. But you know that's something anybody can go through, and it's not the magnitude of the the situation from an outsider's perspective it's what it does to you as the individual so yes being over seas at war and and uh hearing bombs go off or being in a in a in a firefight is is very traumatic and that can lead to uh, some difficult ptsd but also being a parent and going through uh, very trying times emotionally and then thinking you're thinking you're, you're maybe out of the woods, so to speak, and then something else hits you that can be equally as traumatic. So, you know, no two, no two events are handled the same by any one, one person and how your emotions respond to it is what determines whether or not, you know, you're kind of scarred by it in a way. I don't think you should uh, have any reservations to using that term. I mean, what you've gone through is of equal magnitude and that makes total sense. Thank you for that. Well, this next song kind of feels like the turning point uh, in the album, in the, in the timeline uh, of the events that have been unfolding. This is one of my favorite tracks. Track seven is titled Darkness to Light.
0: Jesse, you said Recovery, this prior song, was your favorite. This is my favorite. Um, Darkness to Light, after listening to this album several times, I think is my favorite. And I guess I just like it because this song actually has a turning point and um, the story has a turning point. But I think even outside of that, just the music, if I was listening to this in a vacuum without the story, I just think this is an amazing song. This, This ended up being my very favorite.
3: Thank you. Uh, it's my second favorite. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that you guys, I, I don't know, early, it, it, the album hasn't been out that long. Early results don't have people talking about this song that much. So the few times that I've heard people mention this specifically, I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad somebody likes this. Cause, cause I, I really like the way it turned out.
2: Yeah, it's a great song. It's my favorite as well. I think I mentioned that when I introduced it, the Line, I'd take your place, but instead here I pace, merely praying your heart can beat all on its own in the end.
4: I take your place, but instead of here I pace, merely praying your heart can beat all oh on its own in the end. How much longer now? How much
2: longer I mean, man, what, what a powerful statement. And then reflecting on what you said uh, a few minutes ago about seeing Alyssa attached to what seemed like 30 different machines and and lines all over the place Um, even if you know that the that the prognosis is good if they say hey surgery was a success and uh, you know she's going to be okay when you see all the machines and lines and everything there's still kind of that like man she's at the mercy of all this equipment and these people and is she ever going to be able to run around on her own and climb trees like you like you alluded to in, in a song before i don't think we mentioned that line envisioning all, all these fun things that you want to do in the future of just running and riding bicycles and playing and climbing trees and, and doing all sorts of kid stuff on her own you know without doctor's appointments constantly and, and medical supervision and like all these what ifs of like second guessing is this okay can we do this you know it had to be r- real tough you know i'm sure i'm sure still maybe uh, to this day even there's still some some uncertainty and some some reservations at times with certain things.
3: Yeah, I mean with any kid I think that that's the case, but we've had as many years now being healthy and being off all medication and as we did going through the rough times, because she's six, wow. and a lot of this cleared up by the time she was three. Yeah, that's so. Cool. And I go to the doctor now, and and they say, "Is she on medications?" And I look at them for a minute, and I'm sort of bewildered by the fact that I have to t- that I get to tell them, "Nope, yeah. she's not on a single type of medication, and she gets one echo, which is a heart scan a year, and that's it." And they just go, "Yep, looks awesome. great. Have a great day." And we sort of cheer because it's the same. It's been the same doctor for like six years, Doctor Shepard, at um, Children's uh, Minneapolis. And so, yeah, that's all fantastic. Uh, this song starts with "Some wounds should never be reopened." So you're—it's about heart surgery too, which at the beginning was such a devastating thing. Uh, they told us it wasn't as big of a deal because there are these things in your heart that grow that are supposed to be there. They refer to them as cords or cordase, like the plural of that. But there's supposed to be these fibers in the heart and they sort of overgrew to the point that they were a little bit of a problem. So we need to go in and trim those back. But this is not a, what do they call it, arthroscopic, uh, where they put the little um, tube in. Mm-hmm. This is another... that Open. I mean yeah they had to break mm. her sternum again yeah. I mean wow. ugh, they, they, yeah. they were able to use the same incision so it wasn't additional scarring or anything um, but man it's still open heart surgery and you're going Ugh, oh, okay so is this just life now every, every two years we do this came through that she was out of the hospital in five days like she crushed that surgery because now she's two and a half which is a a big difference from half a year old right yeah and so she starts to kind of stand up for herself you know what i mean it before at the six month surgery it felt like we had to do everything for her she is just this little thing and we are responsible for everything and she comes out of that one and she starts fighting along with us to get better, and she gets better really fast. So, this song has sort of both of those things in it. That's why it's called Darkness to Light. It's that turning point. Okay, so you know, in The Lord of the Rings, that one scene where Gandalf is like, You shall not pass! And he's like, <laughs> slams the staff into the ground. And there's this giant, like, monster of darkness, right? And he's saying, this is it. You stop here. So for me, this song is a lot about that. It's about saying, like, you can let the darkness continue or you can say, I've had enough. And so for me, for me, this song was a process about saying, like, I've had it. And saying, you know, you shall not pass. This is it. So it felt like the the thing with Alyssa um, and overcoming this second surgery, it felt like there was a, a glimmer of hope. There was like a life raft that we could cling on to, something that we could grab onto and say, Okay, this is it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna move on, we're gonna move on into better times. And I'm almost gonna force it to happen.
0: Yeah, and the thing that stood out to me here is, you know, all of these songs before, like you you just alluded to it there of like she's older now, like she can she can join in this fight with you, and that's what I was getting with from some of these lyrics, especially when you're kind of just like you know yelling that you've learned how to beat it. That message is like bringing you together in a fa- as a family in a way. Like she's one of the soldiers in this battle now that's I think what struck me the most about it I mean it's terrible like it's it's talking about all of these hard things and at the beginning especially like these wounds should not be re- rebroken they shouldn't be and this is what is but it's not entirely what is because what also is is that recognition that Alyssa is you're seeing who she is too and and she's joining in that fight as well you know you want this album to like speak to other people and have some Application beyond this specific journey that you went through and I just feel like not even knowing Alyssa but just being a human being and just going through whatever trials and, and tribulations that we all go through like this is a song that I'm going to re- revisit and be like you know if Alyssa can do this I can do this
4: too yes
3: That's the whole thing, right? Because I'm not trying to put the spotlight on myself, but I need to talk about where I'm at as her dad. And so I'm in here as well. I'm talking about her, but I'm also talking about the bridge goes, crack me open, I'll heal again. And then it has, look, like a little kid holding up. Look, I've got the scars and I'm proving it to you. Mm -hmm. So there's a... A simultaneous talking about myself and about Alyssa because she's the one that's physically scarred, right? Yeah. You can see it on her chest. She's got a bunch of things that tell her story. But understanding at the same time you went through it too, and I'm still breathing, and I'm not completely broken. I have the capacity to come back from this. Mm. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing that I can do that now. For sure. <laughs> So the line about can I return to my old optimism my old optimism can I not be the unluckiest 1% I want people to understand again that's just me trying to be honest because the very next song that we're going to get into after this is called the lucky few and realizing how lucky you are when you're in the midst of okay I'm part of the percentage of people who has a kid that needs heart surgery or Alyssa is a part of the percentage of people that needs a feeding tube she needs a second open heart surgery she actually from her first heart surgery she had these sort of ulcers that developed in her stomach because she was so like stressed from it and then she needed a surgery for that and it's just on and on and on you start feeling like anything that can happen will happen when the doctors tell you well there's a three percent chance that this will happen there's a two percent chance of this you go yep that's going to be me you know what i mean you just start to feel like that's all going to happen to me
2: that's how i took that line actually i I wasn't really sure how to ask but i but i kind of thought maybe they had said like hey there's a one percent chance she might not make it can something go right can we have a good outcome so that i can return to my optimism and not you know be the unlucky 1% where something goes wrong. We've weathered this storm. We've, 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 we've put up with this for so long now. Can we catch a break?
3: Yeah. And once all the smoke clears, you start to realize how lucky you are to have made it through all that, to have a kid with Down syndrome and realize that, you know, like I said, the, the origin of my story is that I heard she had Down syndrome and a heart defect in the same sentence. It came to me in the same second And so there was a process of separating Down syndrome from her health problems. Because if you put those things together, you go, Down syndrome is a problem. But no, because actually not all kids with Down syndrome have all these health things. The health stuff is separate. And once all of that stopped dominating our day-to-day life, Then we could focus on, hey, my daughter is actually really amazing. She's the best. She always knows when you need a hug. She always is just so kind and um, loving and caring and smart and, you know, all these things that when you've got your head down, you don't take as much time to celebrate and to notice. So, yeah, this is definitely like a, a, a switch that flips, a turning point on this record yeah I hope people understand that it's not just me saying okay so this happened and then the darkness went away and it got better because it's sung with an intensity that I tried to put into it that hopefully will help people understand that it's not just me saying this is where the darkness turns to light it's me like again forcing it to happen and saying this is it we're done So, what I had sent as the demo track to the other guys was it went and it just ended with this like super heavy minor chord. And then we were just going to go straight on to the happy times. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be really abrupt. So it felt like there was a little bit more to say musically and I needed some sort of transition. And I thought about just having like a talking like time or like I thought about a million things Mm -hmm. to put there, but I knew something was going to go there. And I was just like, can I just have an orchestral section that winds around? And the goal is to get from B minor to D major. And I knew that I needed to have this sweeping thing that worked around B minor being sort of the the heaviest darkest you know that's the one chord of like the relative minor and then working away to the the D chord which in that key is the the brightest happiest one chord in the relative major key and so it sort of plays through some of the bridge and then starts sort of climbing in this chromatic fashion up with all these swelling strings and that sort of thing and eventually it just settles into three major chords And it just sort of finally comes to a rest. And then it feels like you're ready to celebrate with the next song.
0: talk about that celebration in the next song. This is also where we would be flipping the vinyl record over, and so we'll do that next, and the next track is called The Lucky Few.
4: We could be the voice for the silence, for those who feel inaudible, omissible, invisible, atypical, can do the impossible. This time I'm telling you, telling you, we are the lucky
2: I really like the music change on this one uh, to, to the more upbeat kind of funky elements. You know, it just makes you feel good before the, the words even start to speak to you. And I, I think it's probably what you were intending to do because lyrically we, we shift here and move on from some of the trying times, the, you know, the, the diagnoses, the surgeries, um, the ups and downs of all the doctor's appointments to, to now a realization that you're very lucky to have a daughter that's that's so loving. And I, I really like like that, you know, lyrically um, there's the line early in the song that says we could be the narrator shifters, the truth tellers, the game changers, you know maybe shed some light on the values, uh, benefits or, or kind of the uniqueness the joy that uh, raising a daughter like Alyssa brings to you that, that maybe the average person doesn't know about, you know, they, they they have these misconceptions of what it would be like to raise a child with Down syndrome, maybe they have limited experiences and they they don't have the best picture of that whole experience, so in this song, you know, you make a strong case that that as parents, you're you're the lucky ones because you get to be loved by this child, and I really I really like that that idea of thinking about it that way because it's somewhat of a, a a role reversal in a way. We usually talk about how children need to be loved, you know, parents need to show their love and support, and that it's all kind of about that that protector, the caretaker piece of it and that's especially true if if you have children with disabilities that may need extra attention medically you know especially from an outsider's perspective they would think oh wow those those parents have it hard you know they they're they're having to raise a child who's who's more work or has all these extra complexities to them you know how how difficult that must be that that could be a a common common viewpoint from the outside but but then to kind of flip the switch on that change the narrative and and say you know you you guys don't understand like this child loves us so much we're the lucky ones you know if you could only see that you'd probably overlook um, maybe some of the other uh, shortcomings or challenges that that my child faces you know she makes up for it in, in so many other ways and I just thought that was beautiful to express that in a you know playful fun sing-along kind of song like this
4: Shifters, inclusive to the outsiders, the outliers. We could be the truth tellers, the game changers, the difference makers, or oh, hell can't stop us now. We are the lucky ones. We are the lucky few. We are the lucky ones. It gets, gets to be loved by you. We are the lucky ones. We are the lucky
3: few. Well, thanks for that. You definitely get it like you get what what this song is trying to do um i have been as you might imagine very changed and affected by Alyssa and who she is and so part of the goal of this record is just to share that with other people i'm sure you both have run across people who have said uh, about another people group oh those people blah 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 right and sometimes it's not intentionally bad But, you know, if anyone is saying, oh, people with Down syndrome, those people, and even sometimes what I hear is, are happy all the time, right? Just like sort of uh, preconceptions that we have. If people can get to know my daughter, get to know this story by listening to this record, then maybe there's a a letting go of some of those preconceptions because I think the best way to let go of those is by getting to know somebody within that, those people, people group, you know? And for me, that was a big shift. I have a front row seat now to how amazing people with Down syndrome are because of my daughter and also because of the community that I've joined in and I've been able to meet a bunch more people with Down syndrome. And you get to understand this isn't just an extra, I don't know, a problem of some kind. It's wonderful. And so that's what I wanted to, to let people know through this song. And it starts with whistling, which to me feels like the, the ultimate thing that I could do to express the opposite of what was going on before. Because I couldn't whistle in the first seven tunes on this record. Sure. But now that's the first thing that I'm going to do and sort of go against the unlucky feeling that I had before. And it talks about how amazing kids with Down Syndrome are and how adults that understand this can, like you said, change the narrative and um, speak up. And that's what I'm I'm trying to do with this tune.
0: I love it. We have to mention the music video for this song. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came
3: together?
2: That was really cool.
3: So... This is sort of one of the singles I get to start releasing singles now, like you know the songs that get a little bit more attention. And starting with something like this that stands alone a little bit better and that is more on the positive side is the way I wanted to start. So, I there's references to superhero my, my daughter kind of being a superhero in this, and you I'm sure anyone that's listened this long to this podcast has un, is understanding why I would say that. And so I had this idea of Alyssa uh, saving the city from a robot invasion in the middle of family band practice. So that's that's the concept for the video. It obviously needed to be animated because acting that out was not going to be great. So... Uh, I looked on Fiverr and eventually found this guy in Uganda who I really connected with and told him what I wanted to do. And um, he and his, his name is Fred Chara and his, um, he works with uh, this company called TuneFlix. And he implemented a good, you know, 80% of my ideas and uh, made this cool little music video. And um, yeah, it,
0: it's getting a pretty good response so far. It's perfect. He did such a great job. It looks like Alyssa. I mean, he captured Isn't her it? so well. I think that was so great. Even before seeing the music video, listen to the song. I just thought this needs to be like a theme song for like a cartoon. I, I think I thought that before I even saw the, the video itself. And now I'm like, okay, somebody please make a cartoon about a young woman with down syndrome who is saving the day this, that has, that has to exist. And this song needs to be the theme. Oh,
3: that'd be so cool! <laughs> and this, the 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 lucky few is sort of one of those hashtags or sayings that uh, the Down syndrome community has adopted. It was first widely coined by a woman named Heather Avis, who um, is an author and has uh, is yeah, relatively famous. Um, and she actually uh, heard this record and, and said some nice things. So, oh, it's, cool! It's good oh, that we've so. been able to connect. Yeah,
0: that's really that's really cool. Yeah. We move from this song to another really sweet song. The next song is called You Are. I'll write
4: you a theme song Because every superhero needs one If you want to know the real truth I will always love you No matter what you say, no matter what you do Just simply because you are you Independent and capable
0: Jesse, I think you mentioned early on that this was the second song that you was written for this album. The first song that ends up on the album was number one. I think this is a good time just to ask you, when you're constructing a concept album like this, how was that process putting this together? And, you know, you don't have to go one by one and say which one was done where, but when did you start writing some of the songs that were more on the happy half versus the more dark half? And how did you put all of that together at the end?
3: So I had... Uh, What to Tell You, which is song one, and then I needed to write a song that was going to go on the end somewhere, so I wrote this song called You Are. Then I had something, I think I had Run the Long Race, like a demo for that one. So I had a beginning, a middle, and an end, so that was songs, you know, one, two, and three. And as far as filling in the gaps, I think I just tried to go in order. I remember um, Lullaby for the Frail was written near the end because I, I looked at it and I think I had about 11 songs and I went, are we done here? Like, no, this the chapter for Lullaby for the Frail t- felt too important to leave out. But apart from that, I think the goal was to go in order. But... You know, it's just a process where mainly that summer, the summer of 2020, I would just try to come down into this room and sit with a guitar and a notebook and just try to envision how we were going to, how I was going to make this happen. Because at that point, people had signed up for it. They had donated and, you know, got the chosen, chosen their rewards that they were going to get. And now, here we go. Uh, I've got Now, I really need to figure this out. I couldn't, you know, I hear a lot of people say things about, well, it's best to let the song go where it wants to, but to a certain extent, I couldn't let the song just go anywhere and exactly. make it about something completely yeah, different. Yeah. And the puzzle of it, though, was what got me up in the morning, was what got me excited. I was like, this doesn't fit with that. How am I going to make this thing fit with that other thing? Okay, I have another piece of the puzzle, where does that go? The the one thing that was kind of nice is I didn't have... I, I couldn't worry too much about the sequence in, sequencing in terms of... Like I mentioned, tracks 1, 3, and 4 kind of have a down-tempo, kind of mellow vibe. And it's like, well, that is what it is. It has to go in story order. I can't change the order of the story, and that's what I feel like those songs called for. Even though... I feel like a lot of the times what you want out of track one is, hello, Minneapolis! You know what I mean? Like have mm-hmm. your big, like, uh, your, your, your big opening number or whatever. And it's like, well, I, I can't do that. Song was, yeah. one is what it is. I can tell you that the first part of the process was always, is this a dark song or a light song? And then you go, okay, well, it's on the first half or the second half. And then figuring out, mostly chronologically from there and then just kind of getting all the pieces to
0: align. What can you tell us about the words to this song?
3: So this song uh, called You Are is about is a song that I wanted to be able to sing to my daughter. It's a song that I wanted parents to be able to sing to their kids. And that was sort of the premise behind it. And it starts with the lines, uh, if you want a love letter, I will give you one better, which is sort of... A little bit of a response to that song by Sarah Bareilles that starts with, uh, you know, I'm not going to write you a love song if you ask for it, if you need one. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember that song.
3: So it's a little bit like, oh, you want a love song? Well, I'm going to do better than that. You know, I'm going to write you a theme song. I'm going to write you a love letter. I'm going to write you This.
4: (laughs) And then
3: just trying to describe what Alyssa is to me and what I hope a lot of parents see in their kids. Your value is vast like the ocean, expansive as space, and just trying to put, not not exaggerate, but put it in the grandiose terms that I really feel that is what she's worth and why, you know, the, there was a time not that long ago, and I feel like this still happens sometimes, when kids will be up for, say, a heart transplant or surgery and because they have down syndrome they won't be as eligible or eligible at all as typical kids hmm. so trying to rewrite that narrative nope you're very valuable you deserve all of the advantages that every other kid you're gets
4: more than we think you are you are You are, you
3: are, so yeah that's what this tune are, is i hope that are, kids or parents will sing it to their kids but i also had a reviewer recently say you know what during this time that you might just want to sing that song to yourself and i thought that was really nice <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah because that makes a ton of sense and just um the 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 bridge of this tune i really like it's kind of funky you
4: are
3: Telling um, kids everything that they can be, and don't let them tell you that you can't be all those things. And then at the end, this is one of my favorite lines on the record. It says, You're a powerful gale winds force. You can make anyone change course. That
0: was the line I had written here, too. Yeah, yeah. That's a good you one. You are,
4: you are, you're a powerful gale winds force. You can make anyone change course. You can take us so far, you are.
3: Just picturing like a, a, a ship in the ocean that's sort of going wherever it wants to go and Alyssa being able to blow it in a very strong way in another direction. And I, I posted about this, um, there was a reporter that came to my house and hung out with Alyssa for like half an hour and he wrote me this super nice email just about how Alyssa changed his day like his year so far basically like he said, some, when you said it was it. amazing yeah. right yeah and that's just what Alyssa has done for me and has done for other people has just changed the way they look at her looked at down syndrome changed their day just changed the course of the direction they were
0: going totally it's amazing i mean that it really is it's amazing that 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 exists that, that she can have that force and and look at all this what does she think of all of this you know i mean mm-hmm. she's she's 6 years old so any six-year-old is doing what they're doing. But, you know, she's got a cartoon about her. She's got people, news reporters coming over and, and her dad writing this whole album about her. And What does she think? Does she have any comments or thoughts about it?
3: I can tell you that her favorite songs in the world are these two songs we're talking about, The Lucky Few and You Are. Yeah. You Are was definitely a song that I could use for a long time. When she got grumpy, I could sing it to her. I could put it on and it would change her mood almost instantaneously. And she would start singing along and getting happy. And she knows all of the words. And so that one has made a big impact. And then The Lucky Few recently as well. Yeah, as far as how much, you know, and I think they're her favorites because she knows that they're about her. And that they are something that I created for her. I think that's a lot of it and she understands that. How much she understands about the grander scope and the reporters and you know the album as a whole, um, she's just like, well that's that's daddy's music, I think. And I hope that someday she'll understand the the grand scheme of everything and take it as a whole. Like for a lot of people I want them to take this as a whole. Because if you take some of these songs out of context you're not getting the whole story. You're not getting the whole picture. And I don't shy away from some of the harder moments. And so I hope for both Alyssa and other people listening that they can say, well, that was just a chapter and it's okay to talk about that. But the bigger story is one with a happy ending, one that is very,
0: very good news. Well, I think... Maybe one of the sweetest things about this album here is, you know, it's all about Alyssa and all about this journey, but your whole family gets a mention and we move on to another song that I think talks a little bit about your son, and this one is called Ode to Luigi.
2: This is another good good track on the album. I, I I've been thinking, or was thinking, as I was listening to this album of you sharing your your story and experiences with Alyssa, how your older son. Uh, might be dealing with all this uh, on on his own. Well, granted, he was fairly young uh, going through this, but I'm sure was impacted by it. So I'm glad you included a song to kind of share some words with him as well. The line that stood out to me, it's hard to compete with someone whose strength was touch and go. It's hard when you're starving for attention and you used to have it all.
4: If what you feel is overshadowed sidekick you're the hero and if you feel unseen and lonesome that doesn't make you any less
2: awesome yeah, that's probably something all older children experience uh, if they were an only child and then they they have a sister or a brother who's born that's maybe a couple, two, three years younger than them. I'm sure there's that shift of, well, you're not quite as important as this person who needs their diapers changed and uh, you know has a lot more needs and attention. So that that that's probably a normal phenomenon to happen. But then to add the touch and go strength of Alyssa, the the doctor's appointments, the surgeries, all the extra attention beyond the fact that uh, she's a newborn and requires more attention to begin with, that probably to some degree, whatever. A, a two or three, four year old processes. I'm sure that had some sort of impact, you know, on his development and just his observation of what's going on around him with the family and just kind of seeing, seeing the stress and all the extra running around and being a witness to that whole process.
3: Yeah, right on. Exactly. Luigi is obviously my son and there's a video coming out for you are where you can see that he loves to dress up in his Luigi costume (laughs) and and that it starts with talking about um, him holding his sister's hand on Halloween where he's wearing his Luigi costume and feeling self-confident in himself. So Luigi, for those that don't know, this is a reference to the actual Super Mario character, the character that always gets second place to Mario. It's like, oh, oh okay. who is Luigi? That's yeah. Mario's brother, right? That's how you describe Luigi yeah, is awesome. in
2: reference to their sibling actually describe myself as Luigi quite a bit with this podcast. Cause Tre- Trevor's obviously <laughs> the star of the show. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of here for the, ride. I like
3: Luigi better anyway. <laughs> I well, yeah. And I've always thought of Luigi as sort of his own thing. And, and my son, Tyler will tell you the same thing. People would ask him even on Halloween Or just, you know, while he's wearing the costume, where's Mario? And he's like, what are you talking about? Luigi is his own thing. He stars in his own games. (laughs) Like, And that's just exactly who he is. He's just his own person. And I so to me, this is this whole metaphor for, for him. Just he is the ultimate sibling. And he didn't come through that. He didn't start that way, right? Like you mentioned, when a new sibling comes along... Especially one who is having a hard time with life, having a hard time breathing, needs a bunch of attention. Oh man, he went from a hundred percent to like single digits. Like it was bad, but there was like so little that I could actually do about that. Mm-hmm. There's one line in this song that says, uh, you have made me better, which is another one of those sort of hashtags that people use when they're talking about their kids with Down syndrome. You have made me better. And somebody, I think, will eventually notice that I used this line on my typical son, not my daughter who has Down syndrome, which is where you would usually use it. And that's because, to me, helping Alyssa to breathe and survive took a 100% of what I had as a dad and as a human being. And... Tyler complaining about normal kid stuff about I didn't I wanted the red plate instead of the yellow plate or that wasn't what I wanted for lunch or just stuff that kids should be allowed to express when they're two three years old that put me into the like the 110 percent range and that's where I felt like I became a better person was pushing myself sort of beyond what I thought I was capable of doing. Mm. Um, And so this song is just about a celebration for him. It's about a celebration of siblings in general who make it through all of that because it makes an impact on your entire family when stuff like this happens. So I'm just super proud of him and I wanted to write a song for him. But let me tell you, this was by far the hardest song to write because you know my thing, like Death Cab for Cutie, Pedro the Lion, like... Songs that are seeped in like melancholy and just that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm comfortable. And, or if it's a a different song, one that has some sort of tension in it. But now I said, okay, I want to write a song for my son and I would write a draft and be so cheesy. And I just like, oh, how do I still be myself and celebrate him and i went through drafts and drafts and drafts and finally i was like okay this is what it is here we go and i sent it to to steve gould and he just crushed mm-hmm. this drum track and then all of a sudden i'm like who cares it's amazing i love it and then it it allowed me because it was so playful just to mess around and so i started messing with like synth bass and all these Weird computerized sound sounds. Uh the guitar is one that has so much breakup in it that it sounds kinda like Pac-Man. It's got this sort of eight bit vibe. Clearly that's
0: the first thing you pick up on is video game style guitar Mm -hmm. Mm at the beginning.
3: And that's that's Tyler's thing, and that's how we've connected and bonded is, you know, just starting with the the Mario games that I grew up with and it's sort of blossomed from there. Um, and we still like doing that sort of thing together. So all of that is just a celebration of who he is. This has be beca- this was a slow burn, kind of one of my favorite tracks in the end as well. But at first, I was just like, "Well, this song sucks. Like, there's nothing I could do about it." But now I actually love it. I think it's really
0: great. The other thing that just drives this one home for me, you know, all of these like really poignant lyrics that are heartfelt and all that stuff. Maybe the best line in this whole song or this whole album is you'll make an unbreakable team if you just stop kicking each other for just one minute, please. <laughs> yeah. it, it put it in just like the reality of right. you guys as a kids. family. It's and still it's just, a normal yeah, it situation. felt, I mean, that to me, that was almost like a genius line because all this other stuff is this like existential thoughts of like, what would it be like if, you know, to deal with these situations that maybe are so specific to what your family went through. And, but that's like, Every family knows what it's like having the kids kick in the backseat, and that personalizes both of them to me in a way that I thought was really, really genius, but also made me smile at the same time, and I thought that was really cool.
4: make an unbreakable team if you stop kicking each other for just one minute. Ooh, that's
3: I, yeah and again it's just continuing to try to be playful on this half of the record and like make jokes and just yeah. do all the things that i couldn't do on the first half and that line that you mentioned i was like so w- what do you think of this song tyler and he's like i you can't release it and i'm like what i can't what it's too late man like what are you talking about he's like I don't want people to know that we kick each other. And he was like tearing up and he was having a really hard time with it. And I'm like, okay, let me explain to you where I'm coming from. This is what every sibling experience is like. Uh, Parents that have two kids, people that grew up with a sibling – Everybody understands that this is part of the sibling experience. You are around each other all the time. You get on each other's nerves. That's what makes all of the love so much more amazing because you know each other inside and out. You fight with each other like siblings do, but look at all the ways that you love each other. Mm. And I thought to myself when I told him that, this isn't going to work. Like, he's just going he's <laughs> he's to gonna gonna be so <laughs> mad at me. I tried to write a song yeah. to honor him, and he's just going to be, like, so angry. Right. And he goes... Okay, he, he so like cool. he got it. He accepted yeah. <laughs> my answer, and I couldn't believe it that it worked. Nice. And now he he really digs the song. He wants me to, to to put it on, and he he appreciates it. But it was touch and go for a second there.
2: Wow, <laughs> I love that. Back yeah, story. I wish I should have picked up on uh, on that. You know, with with the line, "You're not the sidekick; you're the hero." I think I I was just thinking about the main message being, "Hey, don't be don't be overshadowed by by your younger sister that's needing a little bit more attention now." And so I wasn't really reflecting on the luigi i thought maybe it was a nickname that i asked trevor and he said oh it's probably just a halloween costume like oh yeah that makes sense so i just kind of wrote it off but you know that line you're not the sidekick you're the hero Uh, you know and, and if you feel unseen and lonesome then then carry one another's burdens basically you know you're not in the shadow you're a team you're equal parts you're together and you need to look out for each other you know you're you're so right we we tend to focus on one 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 member of a of a team you know mario and luigi batman and robin jordan and pippin trevor mm. and shane you know <laughs> the list goes on and on but both parts are, are equal we we you know yeah but uh yeah we, we we tend to we tend to forget that both both parts are required for the unit to be to be complete and and they'll learn over time uh your your kids um that is that you know they both need each other equally and they're both equally valued and important you know just at different Different stages, different timelines. Mom and Dad needed to to give a little more attention. Um, different places, but it'll all kind of shake out over time.
3: Have, just before we move on, have you guys played the first handful of uh, Nintendo, like NES Mario games? Are you oh, familiar yeah. with those? Oh all? yeah, nineties uh, kids. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so
2: I beat them all. That's awesome. So, <laughs> I'm <just> so kidding. <laughs> Mar-
3: Mario one. Right? Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. We have Mario and Luigi as a palette swap, right? They're the same thing, but one is player one and it's red, and one is player two and they're green. Mm -hmm. And that's it. There are no differences between them. Mario 2, which wasn't supposed to be a Mario game, they wanted to put another one out. So they took this game called Doki Doki Panic and put Mario characters in it, which is why some really weird stuff got introduced into the Mario franchise. Oh, yeah. Is because it wasn't supposed to be a
2: Mario game
3: and i just i just that's a tidbit that i just was think that is super interesting some
2: some asian influence whatever oh, yeah. you mentioned that it was modeled after, after? yeah it's the some doki doki
3: doki doki panic is some game out of japan okay yeah and they they okay. just went uh this thing went way better than we expected and we've got a ways <laughs> to go before mario 3 is ready so and the yeah. game that they wanted to be mario 2 was the lost levels which was just a really hard version of mario 1 and that didn't go over well in america so they Re, you know, put some new faces, some new skins on this game called Doki Doki Panic. And when you go into, like, a cave in that game, it's got this this song in it, and if you listen to the bridge of Ode to Luigi, it sort of harkens back to, like, a song from oh, wow. Super Mario 2. And that, to me, that game... Like, nobody plays as Mario in that game. Everybody either plays as Toad because he can pick yeah. up the stuff really fast. Or the or princess. You, or, or, or the Luigi. Princess. But or, for me, it was Luigi yeah. because he could get up to places that none of the other mm-hmm. characters could. He could get to the warp zones and beat the game really fast. Yeah, So that was the first game where it felt like luigi has his own characteristics and he's actually mm-hmm. really awesome if you just sort of give him a, a shot right. he's a little floaty he's a little hard to to deal <laughs> with sometimes but again that just that's all harkening back to this metaphor that i'm trying to make about how luigi wow. is his own person and has all these amazing sort of powers as well
2: so many layers to all these songs and and uh the, with with the with the music uh you know behind the scenes too i mean stuff that i i wouldn't pick up on because i'm not i'm not a, a scholar in that sense I'm, I'm sure some of your more astute listeners might pick up on some of the time changes you've mentioned and some of those things like ending with an a uh you know to symbolize a list so there's so many little tidbits like that that you've shared that just make this album even more special
3: I think a lot of the sort of intricacies that are on this album are just for me to sort of keep myself entertained. Um, and, and, and a lot of it, I was thinking about how can I get somebody to listen to this a second time? That's was sort of the attitude as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's one of the fun things about doing what we've done the last couple of years is that pops up more than you think when you really start. I mean, we haven't had the opportunity always to have a, the artist on to unpack that, but if it's a more well-known artist stuff like that gets out there on the internet and before doing this i'd listen to the music and and I, this would pass me by for you know for years maybe but diving in and going all right we're going to open up you know this album and read everything it's like oh that's why they ended on that note or oh that's that's what that reference is to and it's kind of fun especially to have you in front of us as the one that wrote it to tell us those little those little breadcrumbs, I think uh, it does. It, it endears that music even more to you just to kind of know, oh, there's there's even thought behind the depth of the lyrics as to what was uh, the intention behind this decision. Well, we move on from this song. Jesse, do you want to introduce the next one?
3: In this next song, I get to celebrate my wife and everything that she has meant to me in a song called Uneven.
4: When I've got my head sidestep
0: singing on any of these songs
3: yes uh track one and three yeah carrie is singing the background vocals i meant to mention that as well and just speaking about her which is this is the perfect time to do so she can't listen she hasn't been able to dive into this material in the same way that i have my process was i'm gonna face this thing head on and i'm going to write these lyrics and sing them over and over again and edit and just listen over and over again to these words that defined a tricky period of my life, and that's going to help me process. But that's not good for everybody. Some people need to have a little bit more distance between themselves and some harder parts of their past, and I think that's a little more where my wife Carrie has been. And so I was very grateful that she was willing to sing on a couple of spots that I knew she'd be perfect for the female vocal, just things that me doing a falsetto wasn't going to hit the way I wanted it to. But it was a process of, I'm just going to punch you in exactly where you need to go, and you're going to sing, and we'll do it however many times until we get what we want, and then that's it. Like, you don't even have to listen to the whole song. That was sort of the way I wanted to approach it, to try to honor her and make sure that she, you know, we're, we're all dealing with our past just the best that we can. And it's interesting now that these songs are on Spotify, my kids have started to just say, okay, Google play Jesse Norell. And it like songs will come on. And I've been meaning to ask her, like she can just turn it off at any time, but she's sort of letting it play. And it's, you know, the songs are oftentimes out of order. It'll sort of pick whichever one. And I'm just like, Ugh, are you are you okay? Like, I I hope I hope you're you're doing okay. Just having these parts of our past that are very close to us and intimate to us, you know, it, running throughout our home, and we had to work on that and work that out. So, uneven is about her, and it's in five four. So the the title uneven is about. It's the, the music is uneven as well. It's sort of a, a section of three and a section of two and it uh, keeps going back okay. and forth and back and forth. And it's also in a minor key. And that was just sort of a challenge that I was like, can I write a love song in five, four in a minor key? Let's get to work, see if we can do this. And, um, you know, because I'm, I'm very much a person that hears love songs and goes, Bleh, like, that's gross. And then when I write them, it's even worse. So I wanted to do this in a way that felt authentic to me. And yeah, I liked the way it came out. And the central part to it is just we wish in our marriages that things were just like the same every day. You kind of Like we want for a 5 out of 10 every day. And maybe some people get frustrated with that. But for us, it's just like 1s and 10s and back and forth and back and forth. And the fact that we've been able to hang in there and stick with it when times were dark, I felt like that was worth celebrating.
0: I think it's beautiful, and, and it's important, I think, to, to make sure. I, I think mentioning Tyler in the song before, and then mentioning Carrie here, I mean, these are integral parts to Alyssa's
2: story as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it feels more complete when you bring in uh, the other people. Brings together the whole family to know that the parents and and the brother uh, are there for Alyssa. And and Alyssa is also there for all of you. And uh, there's kind of that connectedness um, that we get to by the end of this track.
3: Do you guys know the song, We Didn't Start the Fire? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Right. And that's Billy Joel. So in that song, he is like listing a series of historical events. Mm Mm-hmm. And initially I thought I could do that. Carrie and I have known each other for so long. We met on the first day of college, which was a while ago now. So I thought I could just list all the things that we have gotten through together. And that could just be it sort of like a hmm. we didn't start the fire but yeah. in a minor key in five four and it's a love song and and uh, all i ended up you doing could have flipped
2: it, the chorus and said we got thrown into the fire yes <laughs> and now we're gonna find our way out
3: <laughs> exactly so i was toying around with all of that but eventually all that made it in was after all that we've been through nine eleven, a worldwide pandemic and that was sort of just beginning and end in that one line, because 9-11 was early on mm. oh, in okay. when I met
2: her, oh, and the okay. pandemic was yeah. what
3: we were going through right now.
2: Oh, wow. So that captures your timeline, too. That's yes. That's
3: awesome. So rather Very than cool. trying to put in everything in between and letting the song be dominated by bad things that happened throughout the course of history, which didn't feel like the direction I wanted to go in the end, that sort of just quickly summarized that. And so I, I kind
4: of like that line. After all. 9/11, worldwide the good, the bad, the mundane.
3: And then at the end, I put in the line, I wouldn't change a thing. And this is uh, one more of those sort of sayings, those hashtags that that is used within the Down Syndrome community. But again, they're used for when you have a kid with Down Syndrome. Hashtag I wouldn't change a thing, right? And for me, again, I wanted to put a different spin on this, that... Even though our life has been up and down, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't say I'd rather have this happen instead because those trials make you who you are and they make you stronger and they help to build this foundation as a couple.
2: It's at the extremes of our our comfort zone where we really grow whether that's super high something new or or low we all kind of would like to hover around that five out of ten even keel consistency stability the reality is it's those it's those ones and, and tens those those lows and those highs that kind of shape us who we are and, and force us to to grow and learn and and become better people for it. so exactly.
0: I think that's a good segue into the next song which is the end of the album and a great depiction of expecting something and coming to something else that's equally beautiful and this song is called Welcome
4: to Sydney. To my surprise when I, arrived, I heard welcome to Sydney wonderful place what a beautiful city Welcome to Sydney, we're glad that you're here A short ride on the ferry, can get you practically anywhere It's time to begin again
3: So when Alyssa was born, a lot of people sent me things Emails, etc. Just, uh, for example... This video of a lot of kids with Down syndrome ran in a race, and one of them won, and it was really happy, and that was not helpful for me. Or like videos of the Special Olympics, and I needed to take a minute to be like, no, that feels limiting to me because that just reminds me that my kid probably isn't going to be in the regular Olympics. Like, I was just struggling with it, and nothing seemed to help, but then somebody shared this essay by a woman named Emily Pearl Kingsley and it's called Welcome to Holland. For those of you that have never run across this before it's about how somebody was trying to go to Italy and they got all ready for that trip and all the ways that you get ready for an international trip and they got there and they said welcome to Holland and they ended up somehow in a different place that wasn't the trip that you had planned that was not on your bucket list holland was not on your places to go and there's some anger and frustration at first about that but then you realize that even though you need to you know buy new clothes and new guidebooks and sort of readjust in quite a number of different ways you realize that holland is actually a wonderful place to take a vacation because it has Uh, you know, windmills and tulips and Rembrandts and all these wonderful things that you can still do and still enjoy. And she's positing that, um, or she's proposing that Holland is just as good as Italy. So for me, uh, I needed to pick my own places. And so I picked Sydney for a couple of reasons. Alyssa's middle name is Sydney. And that's on purpose. So when I sing the choruses about all the things that are actually wonderful about Sydney, it's like me handing you a brochure, an advertisement for my daughter, and saying, look, she's actually really great. But we took a trip to Sydney, and on that trip we had an Airbnb that became infested with cockroaches apparently it was not infested with cockroaches when the people who owned the home left (laughs) but it was quickly after we arrived and so that was a and this was around christmas time so we're spending christmas trying to sort out finding a new hotel and dealing with cockroaches and then somebody who was living in our home who provided childcare for us again we were living in Singapore at this time so there wasn't really um, like daycare that you would drop your kids off at when you went to work instead you would have someone living in your home who took care of your kids while you went to work and she tragically died of a pulmonary embolism while we were in Sydney and this all happened on the first half of our trip And we thought we were going to have to cancel the rest of the trip and go home. But we talked to, you know, everybody that was involved and they said, no, it's okay. You can, you know, finish your trip out and um, we, you know, the details will be figured out in this end. And so uh, as much as we had like conflicting emotions on that, on the trip we still got to go to a play at the Sydney Opera House and Tyler got to see that with us and we went to the most amazing zoo and held a koala and like all of these things that were amazing about this trip so to me this song is about like you said Trevor adjusting expectations and you know kind of the the death of a certain set of expectations and the rebirth of something new But it's also just about trying to find a way to look on the positive side of things because for a long time when I looked at that trip, I said, well, that was an awful trip. Awful things happened because that's where my mindset was and I had become, anyone that will tell you will tell you in the the first maybe 30 years of my life, I was just the most optimistic person and then I became a pessimist after a little while. Some stuff happened. And it's about me as well, trying to find my way back to optimism and saying, you know what, that trip was wonderful. And all all of that mixed together made us want to name Alyssa, have her middle name be Sydney, because it reminds me every time I think about that to find the bright side of things and to try to remember the things that are positive, all the good things that happen in my life and not just focus on the negatives.
0: Oh, wow. So her, her name, so in listening to you talk about this song on another podcast, I pieced together then that, okay, that's that's why you picked Sydney instead of Holland. But the middle name selection for Alyssa in the beginning was because of this sort of concept you had already of expecting one thing and realizing that it's something else and equally as beautiful. There was intention even just in giving her that name from the beginning.
3: Yes. and. Wow. We named her after we found out that she had Down syndrome, and Sydney was one of the ones that was on our list, but we weren't so sure about it because, I don't know, for a number of reasons, but it just ended up feeling like the perfect reminder for us um, about all the things we were talking about, and just saying her name is a reminder to things in our past that help us to keep the right perspective.
0: Yeah. See, this is the type of stuff where you you getting this backstory and getting to talk to you makes that song even even cooler. So thanks for unpacking that. Absolutely. Did you really get to fist bump a
4: kangaroo? <laughs> um,
3: I have
0: pet a kangaroo before. <laughs>
3: And I think I sort of shook hands with one. Cool. but <laughs> A little, uh, little
0: artistic license then, but just, I'll, just I'll, allow it, I'll allow <laughs> it. <laughs>
3: My favorite line maybe on the entire album is in this song. If your heart breaks... It says, if your heart breaks and your chest feels empty, put in the time for reassembly.
0: Mm-hmm. Draws back wow. to what really, you know, literally happened, but so applicable to anybody that's reframing something.
4: This
3: song is kind of a summary for the record, and it's since I heard of this poem early on, I considered having this be like the first song, but eventually it felt like a summary for everything that had happened and almost a new starting point for like the next chapter for launching off to something new. And so it felt like a good place to, to wrap things up with, you know, the best bow, like a bow in, in the best way that I could. And that line sort of summarizes it for me, and as you can tell, it always makes me a little bit weepy, yeah. Because it just it reminds me of uh, just where I've been and where I've come and where I want to be.
2: I think you did a remarkable job on this album, sharing your story. Trevor and I are both suckers for concept albums to begin with. Albums that have lyrics that that draw you in, that that tell a story from start to finish. Tracks that that connect, that are cohesive, coupled with with music that evokes the same emotions. Two pieces that come together seamlessly that tell a story from, from start to finish. And, you know, for having the challenge of unpacking so much over the course of three four five year history I think you did a pretty good job doing all that in, in 12 tracks from from the first half uh, letting us in on some of the the darker times to the second half where you know you you let us know that that uh, there's a lot of good that's that's come out of um, the situation as well both from from having an amazing child like alyssa in your life who loves you and, and your wife and and her brother i'm sure so much but also the the growth of you as an individual and i'm sure to some degree your wife and your relationship and the family unit as a whole to to come together to make it through something like this maybe it hasn't um fully blossomed or there hasn't been enough time to pass for you to you know see everything that this is going to bring about you know everything that's going to stem from going through this together but the, the the story was told really well and i think you you know musically um just to to have the this time here this this um three-hour chunk of time that we've shared to, to get to know some of the details and then to see how you wove that into to song and created an album, you know, to start from, how am I going to explain all of this in one album to what you uh, arrived at, your finished product? I think it's pretty phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us.
3: Thank you for all of that. That's really kind. Um, to me, it, w- it was just an interesting project given the time that we're in of singles and then you know hearing about well what does best on the internet is 15 second videos oh wait it's actually seven second videos and just whoa okay so I have one song that's four and a half minutes long and it's telling a small chunk of this story and I felt like I, you know, okay, so I'm making an album in the era of just the shortest attention spans that it seems like we've ever had. And I feel like I trimmed the fat on this as much as I possibly could, trying to get every song to do as much heavy lifting and telling the story as it could. Um, And I ended up with 50, took me 53 minutes to tell the story. And um, I feel like it's as succinct as I can make it without, you know, cutting out anything that I feel like is really important. Even like instrumental sections mean something within mm. the, the whole of the record. So it's just really fun to talk to you guys and to, to talk with people who get it. And this is what I wanted to do. You know, I, I worked on this almost, you know, really in isolation for a long time. And it's nice to see it get out there and to um, connect with people who understand it.
0: And Jesse, you know, before we sign off too, I want to let you mention you've got a big day coming up here where you finally get to do some of these songs live. Um, can you tell listeners about that?
3: Yes, thank you. So April eighth, anyone who's in the Minneapolis area can um, get tickets for the Parkway Theater. Uh, it's a Friday night. Um, I'm going to be playing with uh, a cellist named Ben Ulsterholt. And I'm going to be playing with a drummer named Chris Fleming, two guys that have signed on that did not play on the record, but I sent it to them. And they, like many people, they were like, oh yeah, this is great. And then, sure, I'll do it. And then they dive in and go, this is way more complicated than I thought it was upon first listen. It's sort of deviously complicated, um, but they've stuck with it and... I I'm super excited to share this with people in a live setting to be able to be in the same room with folks. I think it's going to be a really special evening. Um, A couple of my friends, Chris Mason and uh, Ben Noble, other Minneapolis artists, are going to be opening and they are playing with full bands as well. So it's three white guys names but it's it's going to be three different bands um, and it's it's going to be so much fun. You can get tickets at uh, theparkwaytheater.com.
0: And where else can people support this project? I know you've got a website. What what is the preferred way for you for people to support your music?
3: jessienorell.com is the place to start and because that has links to everywhere else. And if you there's any, you know, if you want to listen on Spotify, you can find a link there. It's just a great hub for getting anywhere you want to go. And you can listen to the entire record for free in order from there. And I actually labeled the tracks, you know, O one, O two, one 2 because if you've only got Spotify on shuffle mode, you're going to listen to it out of order and it's going to make a lot less sense. Um, so if, you know, the way musicians work right now is we make everything we do kind of for free. Um, so I've put... Uh, over $10,000 into this so far, and I raised over half of that, which is great. But I'm a little bit in the red right now, so if uh, and you know, Spotify streams are not going to <laughs> get you there. Um, if anyone wants to support, I'm on Patreon, so patreon.com slash Jesse or you can buy a CD that's the only merch I have at the moment from my website. Again, that's jessynorell.com, and just go to the store section.
0: Awesome. Well, Jesse, thank you so much. This has just been an awesome journey listening to the music. It started with a friendship before that, getting to know you, uh, getting to know your heart. We just uh, really, really appreciate you spending all this time with us and unpacking this album. As I mentioned before, I think just to put a stamp on it, it it is staggeringly beautiful. We're so, so happy to be able to experience this with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate you guys. All right. Well, if you stuck with us this long, thank you all for listening. And until next time, everybody, go listen to a
2: great album. Peace. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) That'll work. Nice. If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album
0: Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or
2: had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering
0: music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time.